Ugh. Yeah, it's not whether, so easy failing. Whether or not we're everybody. learning about surfactants or whether or not FE means iron or whether or not pop filters do any good or are too close or any number of brain thinkings that we come brain, across. Brain thinkings, I like yeah, that. Yeah, like we have that. brain thinkings from time to time. We do. All right. I had a brainstorm. It was a bad one. <laughs> the 30 Rock deep cut on that one. Who said that? Tracy Jordan. <sighs> yeah. Very nice. Uh, all right. Ready to do this? Yes. Number 47. All right. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 47 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. And I am Drew Brown. And we are here, still physically in the building. Yay! Our COVID so far. <laughs> transmission rate has not gone to high yet, but it's probably coming. Uh, anyway, but we're here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we are going to be talking about what ink that we would want to design, uh, tips for vac-filling pens, best pens with replacement nibs, hmm. um, famous fountain pen users, like actual famous people, celebrities, what we see as the future of fountain pens, keeping an ink log, and we're going to spotlight on the Y Studio Revolve. Um, before we get all into it, though, we're going to start out with some feedback. Okay, we've got some feedback. So last week, Brian, we talked about the king of the demonstrators. We did. And uh, you know what we didn't talk about? We didn't talk about a lot of things. We did not. No, we didn't talk about <laughs> hippopotamuses or the planet Jupiter. No. But we also did not talk about the hippopotami, hippopotamuses. Hippopotamuses. Anyway. Don't grab onto me. We're, in, we're both in the deep end on this one. We did. <laughs> we're both going to um, drown. We didn't talk about the A23. What about the A23? That's like King one, of the Demonstrators? Well, okay. I mean, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's one of the most popular demonstrators on it the has. market. It's really, it's gained in popularity too for the last yeah. seven or eight years. We had some feedback that were like, bros. I think that was at least worth a mention. Yeah. Um, a bit of shame. I mean, did not mention Me too. It. So thank you for not ashamed, shaming us, but uh, reminding us. I think the shame politely. could be justified in that. It, it could have, but yeah. they they didn't. They're well, like they're like okay. dudes. So it's a, con a constructive suggestion. It was okay. thank you. Well, also, this was not in the YouTube comments, but okay. a couple weeks ago, I uh, I'm was curious, curious about this bullet point. Well, see, sometimes I put notes in here that I don't want you to know about because yeah, like, I want your actual reaction. So I just kind of I'm cryptic. It just says rickshaw face. Yeah, exactly. You don't know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Objective, but I'm curious. Achieved. Okay, so <laughs> I put on our Instagrams hmm. a quiz because it was it was a picture of me after I did that uh, case video about yeah. pen cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in it, I put a rickshaw. Uh, uh, roll on my face because it was super cozy. Okay. And uh, it was one of yours. Don't worry. It's not going to be sold. That's fine. So um, It's increased but, in value uh, in my Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I asked, it was a poll. I was like, have you ever, A, put a rickshaw pen case on your face? You know, plush side first, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, no, or haven't had the chance, but I totally would. Mm -hmm. And as you can see, 15% said yes, 36% said no, 49% says never had the opportunity, but I totally would. Hey. So the yeses were 58 people. Not a lot, but okay. still, I just, I, I want all. It's, <laughs> that's a lot of people yeah, for that, such a random right? request. That, that's yeah. a, I wanted to mention that because I just mm. picture a room of 58 people all looking at me like. Yes, I have rubbed that on my face. Right? 
I just feel like if so I were in a room with those people, <laughs> I would just, I would, we could all look at each other and be like, I know, man. That's a weird Me room. Me too. That's a weird room. Me too. No, it is the greatest room the ever. What would the vibe be like in that room? I don't know. Lots of hugs. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. So I love that. That made me really happy. But also, I will say, when I wrote the quiz, the never had the opportunity, but I totally would was too long. So it said never had the opportunity, but I totally so I'm thinking okay. that they knew what that was, totally. right? That yeah. counts. That yeah. counts. So the majority approve of putting rickshaw royal plush lining upon your face. Yeah, I can think of worse things on my face. There we go. Me too. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I also Random learned. quote out of context. Right, exactly. That you could pull. Yeah. I love that. Also, I spoke to some very, very nice people from Michigan okay. all over the YouTubes. And some, some they Sh- were Sheboyganites? Well, no, no. Sheboyganites. Sh- Sheboyganites. It's pronounced the same. Really? Yes. I was getting all sensitive because I did not want okay. to disrespect the mitten, mm. but I was informed that it's actually Sheboygan and Sheboygan, Wisconsin and Michigan, same place. Okay. Um, but you know what I really loved? There was a lot of Michigan love in the comments. A yeah. lot of people were like, hey, I'm from Michigan. Yeah, yo, me too. And it's just like a lot of... A lot of Michigan pride in the comments. I'm like, this is unexpected but delightful. Okay, very encouraging uh, group I, there. I really That's liked awesome. that. Yeah, That's really cool to so, see. You know, RoboCop country. There you go. <laughs> Apparently, um, yeah, we got some other feedback. One, uh, there's a surprising number of pen friends, as we we'll call them, uh, who also see the value in purchasing multiples of the same item. We were talking about how, like your cars, and I purchased multiples yep. of the same car. Um, even two of the same car in one case. So we're not alone. We're not alone in that. Hey, if you know, if you know what you want, then just why keep looking? I mean, I've purchased like I have a lot of Converse shoes, but never the same exact. Well, the black ones, I guess. I've had multiple pairs of the black ones, but mm-hmm. you know, as far as I've never had two of the same shirts. No, no, never two of the same exact pants. Hmm. So. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I own multiples. I think of every article of clothing for the whatever the favorite thing is of that clothing. I own multiples of that. I thing. remember when we were in the garage when I first got hired. This was ten plus years ago. Oh boy! Uh, mm-hmm. You had that multi pack of sunglasses. Oh yeah! Do you remember that? It was like something you'd find at like the Dollar General. It was like I think it was like Sam's Club or right, something. Right, but there was like there it was, was like the a twelve pack of sunglasses. <laughs> I, believe, <laughs> I believe it was for twenty four dollars. Basically, wow. Yeah, right? Like, $2 a pair? No, no, I'm just surprised you remember that. I remember but they very were the, oddly specific They were things. the single single lens uh, oh, yeah. sunglasses. I think they were the frames might have been different colors, but... Yeah, they were like sport style, But I still, guess, like you, you saw, know. like, hey, I can get 12 sunglasses. Like, yeah. It was very practical. Yeah, because I lose them and break them constantly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think your dad at one point had, like, multiple just plain hats. Remember that? Like, he bought, oh, like, yeah. multi-pack of just plain hats yeah his business like the color was red so he had like red hats this was before the trump era and right. all that before but it was got a, co-opted yeah. kind of for that but yeah but, just yeah. Plain, plain hats i was like all right apple not fall not far from the tree there it's just a utilitarian thing yeah i really you know whole, i respect that i whole, like that the whole uniform thing i don't know i'm really thinking about it i'm thinking about it maybe maybe when i approach 40 maybe maybe 40 i'm like, excited to see yeah i think this is it i'm excited this to is, see this is all you're gonna get people from now on um, <laughs> anyway, uh, onto a little bit, a uh, little bit 
uh, more serious topic. Um, we did, we got some feedback from uh, the YouTube video last week, the pencast, not surprisingly, I think, um, about uh, why we didn't dive into the whole situation behind why all of our Noodlers Inc. is out of stock at the moment. So it probably seems like a really juicy topic. Uh, it's actually somewhat straightforward. We're not going to get all into it, but we'll at least kind of catch you up to speed, I guess. Um, so the current situation is that Nathan over at Noodlers, um, I mean, a lot of people think of Noodlers as like this large company. It's, it's basically Nathan. <laughs> he might have had some help here and there a little bit. I don't know. It's a middle, maybe middle some, Willy Wonka maybe type some situation. Maybe some part-time stuff, but yeah, it's, um, it's one guy. It's, it's basically Nathan. Um, so uh, he's undergoing basically this unprecedented uh, reevaluation of the brand, his entire product line, based on feedback from the community, uh, from members of the community around the theming of a number of different pens and inks. Um, he's been receptive to this. And even though it's stirred up some like controversy recently, um, I think it's something that's been in conversation for a little bit and it really just kind of, um, you know, it really sunk in. We reached uh, a crescendo. A crescendo. Yeah. That would be a good way to, yeah. to put it. Um, so, you know, uh, Nathan's uh, chosen to revisit the a bunch of ink names and label artwork. Um, during this time, while he does this, we've chosen to zero out our stock and just pause. We've left everything up on the site um, because we basically don't know what's going to happen next. So we're kind of in a holding pattern. Um, so we pause promotion of the brand as well until Noodlers has really completed these rebranding efforts. Um, and so just a very current update as of right now, we know that at least 30 different products are going through the name and label changes. This is after about two weeks. So this is a honestly a very quick turnaround yeah i was surprised yeah so um we're not really central to it i mean we had conversations with the distributor and with nathan like leading up to it as it was unfolding but really it's it's nathan's thing he's really owned it he's really the one making all the decisions about how that's happening so we're kind of we're kind of waiting and seeing what happens just like the world the world the pen world is yeah um we got this email just like literally hours before recording this on tuesday so we're going to be evaluating this list very soon not sure exactly which direction it's going to go but once nathan's resettled on all of his rebranding uh we're going to be looking forward to seeing just basically what kind of progress happens and, and providing you all with some more of an update so basically we're just kind of telling you to stay tuned so we know this all feels really weird <laughs> it's not something like this has really happened uh specifically uh, in this way in the pen world it's really uncomfortable for everybody including us but you know we're just kind of sitting in that discomfort right now we're waiting to see what happens and we're just really grateful for everybody that's been patient with us through this having constructive conversations a lot of good things are coming out of the conversation a lot of challenging things have been brought up as well learning opportunities abound yeah but it's not over it's an evolving thing so just uh hang in there and we'll uh you know we'll kind of stay in the mix and, and see how it unfolds there we go so that's basically the update we have of right now so you know sorry if it felt a little weird not talking about it last week honestly we debated about it drew was a little more for it i was a little you know there were a lot of like harsh things that were brought up personally for me and rachel it was a little raw yeah so we weren't like eager to like stir all that back up but there's been a little time for healing and stuff like that. So um, we felt a little more comfortable kind of speaking on it. You yeah. know, we're not trying to hide anything, but it's literally just, it's been a hot topic. We're so. learning and we will continue yeah. to human. gain information. And like, it's uh, all humans. This whole pen world, it's, we're all very human yeah. and very flawed and willing to learn. So um, yeah, didn't want to dwell on it too much. Didn't want it to take over the whole pen cast, but definitely thought it was worth noting for yeah. this week. So it's, thank you for being patient. It's something that's going on. Absolutely. Speaking of things that are going on, we're going to move on to our new segment of new stuff. All right, so uh, I got a couple things to mention, both pens for me on this point. 
Uh, Edison has a new color of the Collier. The Collier is one of the more popular Edison pens, even though it doesn't post. That is always, you know, like you and I are like, more post forward, I would say. Yeah. We, we tend to lean towards posting our pens, yes. right? Not it's not like a deal breaker for us. I don't know. Something about pens that like just don't don't even give you the option. I'm just like, I don't know how I feel about that. The, but, it's so popular. People love it. And really I, what, the, the reason I think it's so popular is because it is a larger pen and with really good materials, mm-hmm. it's just a bigger canvas to show off really nice acrylic. That's true. Visually it's a very stunning pen. Yeah. And I the think that proportions if, are nice. It doesn't look I mean it's it's a large pen, but it doesn't look like a like a fat pen. You no, know not I mean? really. Sometimes they can. And I have seen pens in uh, like that same acrylic used in a Collier, and then I'll see it on some like you know Conklin or something like that. Yeah, and it looks better on the Collier. Yeah. Same stuff, but I I, I really do think mm-hmm. that the larger canvas, you know, it makes a difference. Maybe it's a little thicker. I don't know, but it just it does make the acrylic look really nice. I think it's the depth of material. I think the fact that Edison uses such minimal hardware, so there's no center band. There's no finials. It's literally just the clip mm-hmm. and the nib. That's the only hardware on this pen. So you, the material's not broken up. Mm-hmm. So it's just continuous throughout. And then I think this is a bigger pen, so it's a larger canvas for the material. Right. But also they can make it thicker. So you see more depth of the material as well. So yeah. I think you've got a couple of things going for you on these colliers. They all really end up look, looking pretty stunning. They're a great canvas for these materials. And the uh, Azure Skies is very sh- chatoyancy. Oh, yes, it is. Chatoyorific. And it's blue, which, of course, is like going to be right in line with some of my favorites. Um, very cool. It's got that swirly color. Not a, not a, um, it's like a blue and black, sort of like a deep blue and a, and a sort of a black swirl. Not like a ribbon swirl. It's a, it's a, a yeah, um, it's a, it's a darker, kind of a navy ish blue yeah, going on. Yeah. I, it's not really a, there's no like black swirl in it, but it yeah, definitely has a, yeah, I guess maybe, I don't know it if has I'm a using dark, the right words to describe it. Has it has a darkness but, to it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I can see that. Like Batman. You can tell it just, it has darkness looming, <laughs> dark, darkness in its veins. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm overemphasizing the black. I don't think it's quite as black. It really is more of a, a true kind of a blue. I don't even know if I would call it navy. What would no. you call this color, Drew? It's almost a denim. Uh, denim. It's got a little bit of turquoise to it. Yeah. Ah, the thing about so these tough. pens, and uh, if you look on our website, sometimes the pen will look like it pops with yeah. a pearlescence and then sometimes it'll look very like flat or dull and that's just the nature of the material if you rotate it you're gonna see both so it's True. it's neither super crazy nor super flat it is all of those things all at once yeah. and it can be a little deceptive which is why we try to photograph it each way so it's we do. scroll through all of the images and get a good and it's gonna idea. Vary, it's gonna vary from pen to pen so i think like the the chatoyance that's in there itself is sort of a ribbon that goes throughout the pen. Like we see this a lot with like the layered resins Mm -hmm. um, where you turn it one direction and it just like explodes in the light. And then you turn it the other way and you're like, I see nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, but you won't get a pen that looks dull. Like that's not going to happen. And you won't get one that looks totally shimmery everywhere. Yeah. It's it's, just where that happens to fall will be different on every pen. Yep. But you'll get it. You'll get it. Super attractive pen, very attractive material. Great quality control in Edison, made in Ohio, so that's pretty cool. Um, and then the other pen that I had to talk about was a Peniter pen. This is, um, if you're familiar with the limited editions they did, uh, the Trilogy series, this is kind of based off one of those. So I think it, it was, was based the, off the Titanium. It, it was the tribute to Armand. Um, to Armand, yeah. And it, it was a three-pen set. Yeah, yeah three-pen set, and they had three different like cutout kind of designs. Mm-hmm. Um, so all, I guess you'd call them like skeleton designs, where you can like literally see through the pen. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, maybe. I've often heard skeleton as uh, more in terms of an overlay. I think it's the same concept. I yeah, think, same concept. Like yeah, this, this is if, unique because it is all the way through. And like you, yeah. you can actually touch that internal filler. Like it, mm-hmm. there's no uh, window. Well, it kind of goes to what we were talking about last time. Is with, it a wind? What right. makes it a window? Right. Is it a hole? Is a hole a window? Yeah, this, maybe. This pen will question will will raise that question yeah. up in your mind. Lots of cuts though. Lots of lots of yeah potential yeah. windows. Very cool. Very cool. So um, this one is called black aluminum. So it's got that same design that the titanium one had, but it's a very mm-hmm. stealthed out looking pen. So it's definitely in that like collector grade. It's it's you know about sixteen hundred dollars uh, in our store. So it's, it's, you know, it's an investment in your own pen collection for sure. Uh, but it's a, it's a really cool pen. It's got that nib that you love. It's the most beautiful (laughs) nib in the industry right now. I don't know. I don't know that I have one of those pens with a black nib. I don't have one at all, but I still think it's lovely. Yeah. True, true, true. Um, but anyway, so very cool pen, uh, go check it out. And then Drew, you got some. Yeah, got we've some got some cool stuff, stuff to talk about. So I've been teasing the. Yeah, you, you gave me all the really expensive stuff. Make me seem like some kind of like, you know, well, swanky pen collector. I here. have some things to say about these. <laughs> okay. So I gave me okay. the ones that I Fair can enough. I can say some stuff about. You all had right. more of a hand in these. First so thing, yeah, yeah. I was, so we worked with uh, Hey Matthew on Instagram. Matthew Morris. Mm-hmm. He designed a Nib Chameleon sticker for us, so I can finally say it's Hey Matthew, who we love. We've known him for a long time. He's a great guy. Uh, happy to call him very that. active in the pen community yeah happy to call him a pen friend so many pen shows yeah fantastic dude and uh, his art is just so much fun so cool so fun and he drew the best chameleon and it translated to a sticker format perfectly there's yeah. a ton of great details so it is a chameleon on a pen and if you are someone who can enjoy a wide variety of nib sizes you're a nib chameleon, and you owe it to yourself to pick one of these up I think uh, just so that you can self-actualize a little bit but uh, we have it available. <laughs> That's a bit of a promise. Well, wow. I'm saying like no, no, no. Self actualize a little bit. Know thyself. <laughs> if you're a nib chameleon, you need to brandish that. There you go. Um, and uh, so check it out. It's finally here. Thank you for your patience. And then I need to talk about the Estherbrook Patience the Tortoise pen holder, Brian. Yes. This you is. Do you need? This you is, some explaining to do on this one. Drew. Okay. All right. So um, it's it's a new product. It is, it is a brass um, uh, object, uh, well, paperweight, I, I see pen here. holder. It's a pen holder. It is a pen holder. So it's got, you know, three uh, lines of cutouts. You can kind of rest your pen, yeah. three, three pens. Pen rests, yeah. It's a pen That'd rest. Be a good way yep. um, it's also a little scoop out. So if you didn't want to do pens, if you wanted to do paper clips or something like that, you could do that as well. It is a desk accessory. Why not and do both? It, it is supposed to. You can put paper clips underneath your pens. There you go. You could. You could. You can keep, have it all. Keep it shallow enough. Um, now I'm hesitant to call it a an animal because uh, I guess you could call it a herpa a her, herpa. What is the word? Herpa. Uh-oh. Are you going nerd out on me here? Yeah, it's a her, herpa herpa derpa something. Herpa derpa anyway. something. What are you talking about? I, know, I, I think I'm lost. Herpetology lost. is like the study, but I don't know what you call. It. Anyway, my thing, Brian, is it is called the tortoise. Okay, but it's a sea turtle. Mm. It's not a tortoise. You a tortoise can, is like a different thing, right? Right. Is it like an alligator crocodile type situation? Yeah, kind of. But like, but it's a sea turtle because it has fins, not not legs. Yeah. You can very clearly see this, but it's called Patience the Tortoise, but it's not. Mm. It's a sea turtle mate. Mm. Like on Pirates of the Caribbean. Is it remember? a sea tortoise? I sea turtles. Remember mm. that part when he escapes on the sea turtle? Are it's you, a story. Anyway. What are you talking about? Nothing. I'm just rambling. I'm so lost right now. I have a habit of just... <laughs> Talking with my brain. <laughs> um, anyway, it is a 
some sort of turtle tortoise, turtle, that you can hold your pens. It still looks really cool, regardless of what sort of herb cool it is. If you can get past the fact that it may not be the most, uh, oh, what's the name? What, what do you call a scientific name? Like the the. Oh. We need to stop but saying thinking. things at all. <laughs> Genius I, class. I do like re- I do read up and study on this stuff, but then when I need to recall it, my brain is like, oh no, nope, yeah, nope, not gonna not gonna recall that. Yeah, I know no, what word not, you want not, right now, but I'm just gonna hang on to that. I'm just gonna hang on to it. I'll give you this other word that has nothing to do with it, though. Either way, I like it. It looks cool. It's neat. <laughs> It's a herp of some kind. <laughs> I still don't know what you're talking about with the herp thing. Somebody in the comments, maybe they'll. Uh, maybe they'll my brother would know. Out. My brother would know. He's gonna yeah? shame me for that. You maybe know? you have to grow up around you to know what the heck you're talking about. Yeah. You think I would come close, but no, I'm I'm lost on this one. Oh, also, this is episode 47, Drew. <laughs> Literally, it was in the comments. I was told something about like yes, 47 means different things in the nerd world. That's about all the context that I got. So, apparently, 47 means something. Okay. They might have also said something else more specifically, but I forgot it. Um, anyway, that's all we got for new stuff. Are you looking it up? Now, herpetology is the branch of zoology concerned with the study of amphibians and re- reptiles. Okay. That's, yeah, they're amphibians. Right, but I wanted to say that they were a herpa something, and I don't know if I can do that. Well, herpetology is the study of herpets, herpa, what, what is it? <laughs> What's the term? It's a herpetology. Herpetology. Right, okay. but I wanted to call the tur- the turtle tortoise. They're both herpetarara, but <laughs> I think I'm I might just be wrong. Her- they might. They, yeah, I don't. Yeah, that that's kind of what I'm I'm looking for. Well, I guess if you but, have like if plants is like botanical, do you call them like botanics? I don't know. Well, we are we are way outside of our depth, and this has nothing to do with pens. So yeah. we're gonna move right. on to Q and A. I'm ready. Go ahead, Drew. Would you like a I really question? hope we know what we're talking about more in this section than we All have right. leading up to Well, it. this one, we don't need to know anything for this one. This one's purely subjective. Oh, gosh. I know. I saw this one and I was like, oh, crap. Because you love subjective questions that rely on you to just kind of ideate. Anyway, we have a question from Hugo Burden. And Hugo asks, if you were to design slash create an ink, what mm. color and what properties would it have? Will it have? Mm. Will it meaning you are going to create it? I know this question was very assumptive. That was I was immediately just like, are are people going to view my answering this question as an announcement of some ink that we're developing? Because that is not the case. I like to think that people sometimes <laughs> ask questions knowing that you're going to have a hard time. They're going to put them. me on the spot. I feel yeah. like that's becoming more of a thing. That's I'm fine with that. As we're going along in this pencast, I feel like there are certain things that like Brian can't make a decision. He can't answer anything you, quickly. You made this bed, Mr. Goulet. I guess yeah. I guess I'm just. I'm, I'm having a mirror held up to me and I'm having to accept what I truly am, which is an indecisive rambler. But that's okay. As long as it's entertaining to you all, then great. Speaking of, <laughs> how about the question? Uh, I did think that it was a good question. <laughs> okay. Legitimately, I thought it was a good question. Um, it's tough because there's a lot of really good inks out there. No, no, legitimately. Okay, okay. Because wh- where my mind immediately goes is like, where's the hole? Like, what's missing? What's missing We're not- in the ink oh, world? Because that's where I want to, that's my whole life. I've always been like, here's what everybody's doing. What's nobody else doing? But what do you right? want? I don't, I don't As an ink well, user, as a fountain pen aficionado, what do you want? I haven't had like a burning Stop thinking like desire a business owner. Feel, well, that that's how I find that motivation. That's how I get to like, what do I see is like, what is nobody else really doing? Or like, what's, what's cool in some tangential world or industry that could like 
cross over into the pen world that hasn't really been done. That's Im- that's immediately where it goes for me. Not like, okay. oh, I'd like to make the 15th plain black ink. I can see how that no could shading. inspire you, but yeah. I, all right, where, where did it lead? Um, I You know, we've gotten to see ink evolve a little bit over time. You know, we got to see sh- the rise of shimmering ink. That was a big thing. We did. You know, and um, sheen is something that has been around for a little while, but has never been necessarily like fully embraced mm-hmm. until, you know, last five plus years, maybe it's hard to get sheen out of different inks because of the dye properties. So it's not something that can be as widely produced in as much a color range as like shimmer can, for example. Um, and I feel like uh, multi-tonal inks mm-hmm. they're they're scratching that same itch. They're having their moment right now where it's like, it feels novel, just like, just like shimmering inks did a few years ago, or like some of the heavy sheeners, like yeah, organic nitrogen and stuff like that. And I and I think that's really cool. I would love to non-committal, no commitment here, but I would love to like see that progress and see where that can go. I also know that multi-tonal inks will have their limits, just like Sheen does. You can't just like add something to it to make it multi-tonal. It's going to be the property of the specific dye mixes and stuff. So that's why you only see multi-tonal inks within that kind of like grayish, greenish, pinkish range. So I don't feel like we're going to really see this explosion of multi-tonal inks because I just don't know that the dye properties are really there to make it happen. But if we're dreaming, yes, I would love to see multi-tonal, multicolored inks of like very like saturated in color, very bright, very contrasting colors. Okay, so if you that were to design really cool. an ink, I don't know that it can be designed. I think no, it's not no, it's possible a hypothetical, right now. Brian. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. What then, ink are you going to create? You can create any ink you want. I What's would, it going to look like? What I, are the properties going to be? I think it would be cool to have like a multi-tonal, like a color shifting type ink. I think of like candy paint what on a color? car. Oh, okay, okay. So like a like, like a, a like a sh- like a not not necessarily shimmer. You know, because shimmer is like a particulate. That is so you're, think, you're thinking of like a rainbow ink, like like an like yeah. an iridium, like yeah, like oh, a like a okay. PVD iridium, like rainbow type. Okay, pen. so basically like one hundred percent, but with ink. Okay, would look really cool. Like you look you look at it in one angle, it's blue, and it shifts to like a pink and a purple. Okay, and there you go. Depending on the light, that's that an seems answer. Seems really cool. Okay, I like or, that. Or or like a uh, one, you know, I think about like the um, I don't know. There's like. Rachel and I, like, we found a pencil one time that has like multicolored lead in the pencil, like in the same piece of oh, lead. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. multi, it was like a stripey. Yeah. So as you're writing yeah, with we it, had, like, it's like changing colors. like that when we were kids. Yeah, something like that. But if ink could do that, mm. so, or like an ombre, t- like when you have the pilot parallels, right? And you can like touch the tips together and you get like a, that if you could, I don't know, do something with that. Yeah. Have an ink that can do that. Somehow, I think that'd be more about like a mechanism within the barrel of the pen. Yeah, maybe that like you know kind of like a like an epoxy or something where it has like two channels. Maybe, but then they kind of meet at the end, something like or that. Or maybe like an ink. I'm really, I'm just really pulling this out of my brain. Brain. Uh, but I think like if you had an ink that you know, think about like when you have ink that's different saturation, right? Like a lightly saturated ink, and and you're writing with it with a really wet pen, mm-hmm. and you get heavy shading and pooling and stuff like that. You know how it can like sort of look. You know, like a darker color within kind of the same range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you could have something that like when it 
when it's really heavily pooled like that, mm -hmm. if it could be like a an actual different color, like you yeah. have like a gradient of color. So there would be like some kind of threshold in there where it would have to, you know, but you can, it's sort of like you get that a little bit with shimmer. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you have it really light down, you, you can't necessarily see as much shimmer, but then when you really dump it on, you really see it. Sheen gets like that too. But so if you had something like that, that wasn't shimmer or sheen, but just more like a multi-tonal kind of effect that changed with how much ink you put down. And it would flow better too. And flow better. Better. Yeah, so you didn't have any particulate or anything like that. That's that's what I would want to see. There we go. No, I mean I could see like a range of a range of colors. It would, I'm envisioning like a whole ink line of of that, not just one specific color, but you know certainly among my favorite colors and like the blues, purples, turquoises, hot pinks, like that color. You know, like literally everything you're seeing in all of our branding. That would be really that would be really cool. Um, I also love ink that shades a lot. So, you know, I think if we were going to like do more inks and stuff like that, I would want to lean into that because I just, I've never fallen out of love with heavy, heavy shading inks. Yeah. I think it's just one of the beautiful properties that you get with fountain pen ink that you really can't get with any other type of writing instrument. You know, you can get rollerballs that write pretty smooth. You can get like the Pilot Precise that uses a liquid ink, but it's with a rollerball. So it's like a pretty good compromise, but you're not getting that awesome shading that's a great point i love that so annette like from the get like from the first fountain pen that's I've a fountain ever use i was like i've never seen anything like this before and it has never gotten old every time literally the next pen i use if i see shading i'll be like mm, right mm, i'm with you I'm it's liking like that that's a fountain pen like you can't yeah. you can't reproduce that with anything other yeah. than a fountain pen i, I feel like that would that's be really cool. cool whole line of like heavy shaders would be cool I like that a lot. And I, don't, I don't think it's been really been done. Like it hasn't really been like no one's really done that and embraced that. Not not intentionally. It's not like these are shaders, you know. Yeah, like there are some that are good shaders, but never as like I mean, you have other ones where I don't know. Like people like, people have done like, hey, these are this is a set like of shimmer shimmer, shimmering inks or this or, is a set of, you know like waterproof inks yeah. or whatever. You know, they, there have been other inks that have been grouped by property. Never seen anything grouped by property based on its shading capabilities. So nice. we could be onto something. We or, still we still haven't done a Goulet ink, Brian. We're like, it's time. We, some, some, we may have some proactive like ink maker that's going to watch this. There are several of them because they are you know you don't have to make ink in gigantic. We batches. can call so it can shady business. Nimble. Shady business, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe next week somebody will come out with one. They'll be like, that is a great idea. We're going to, we're going to run with that. I honestly, I wouldn't hate that. You can have this idea for free. If we don't develop it first, which we're not, because this is a hypothetical question yeah, and I'm not out. committing to it. I have a hard time turning that part of my brain off though. I mean, <laughs> no, literally no when kidding. I'm asked a question like this, I'm no like, kidding. how do I make this happen? <laughs> but anyway, it was a fun exercise and now I'm going to, I'm glad I'm not, to I'm glad I'm not proactive and ambitious. This is, um, this is everything in my life, Drew. <laughs> Everything in my life, this is how my brain works. It is a blessing uh, and a curse. I'd be so sleepy all the time. I am sleepy all the time. <laughs> this is why I have bags under my eyes, Drew. Because everything, I'm like, I could make this into a project. <gasps> oh, my God. I should do this, all of this now. Oh, I'm so sorry. But thank you. I'm glad you are who you are because I, oh, wouldn't, I wow. wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be gainfully employed. But, uh, you, know? you know, also, I'm sorry. Just a little bit of self-actualization is all you <laughs> There need. we go. A little bit a little of self-actualization. a little bit. Uh, when I was a kid, Brian, I had a <coughs> double-sided magic marker. Okay. And it was a uh, collection of magic markers that had a color on one side and then a white marker on the other side. And whenever okay. you would flip it over and draw with the white part on what you already used, it would change colors. Change color. I remember this. And my favorite one 
was a black marker. Mm-hmm. I would draw black. Okay. And then if you flipped it around, uncapped the other side and used the white part, yeah. it would turn whatever you drew on to hot, hot pink. pink. I remember this. You had one of those? Yeah. Oh, <gasps> I remember this. And so all through my childhood, black and hot pink were like my favorite colors. It's a good combo. Oh, yeah, right? It's so, so striking. It's such contrast. Yeah. And I know since this is a total hypothetical, this wouldn't work because they're two contrasting colors. You wouldn't be able to get a black and hot pink ink. But you know what? I'm just going to put it out there. If I could have any ink I wanted... It would be hmm. like a black ink with a hot pink halo around it. That would be cool. I just think that would be super rad. Now, I don't think it would work with a hot pink ink with a black halo because I think it would. I think the black would take over. True. This is um, hypothetical here. You can dream big, man. Either way, I don't care. If it had black and hot pink together in it and mm. it didn't like mush together and it just like dried as like a, a halo effect on a black ink. Oh, man, that would be so rad. That'd be pretty cool. That reminds me of like DC. I think you say it's rad. Like you're literally... Oh, going dude. back into the 90s Well, now. I'm think, what I'm thinking of is <laughs> D. Snyder's from Twisted Sister. I'm thinking of like his hot pink and black outfit from like, we're not going to take it. You know, yeah. he had these like like football pads with like pet black and hot pink streamers all over it. Like that's, I don't know. D. Snyder outfit ink. Sure. There you go. Let's go with that. Or magic marketing, however you want to slice it. But that, that, would my, that would be my jam. And also ideally, I'd love to have a shimmer ink that doesn't clog because I love shimmer inks. I wish I could use mm. more. But I just need it to stay in suspension okay. forever, like <laughs> like like orbits, mm. um, or orbits drink. Remember those things? I do. Those like, would not flow well in your pen, though. Well, they figured out how to do it. They, if they can make the orbits balls float in that drink, why not shimmer? Come on, get the orbits people over there working for. They don't still make orbits, right? No, That's, they don't. Yeah, they don't. It doesn't seem like. But it. I, I bet you the, the orbits people are out there somewhere. Get private reserve to hire them or somebody. and You could probably buy a case of Orbits on eBay for like $50 or something. Probably. How probably. old would that be? When did, when did Orbits go out of uh, production? I, I, I don't know. I don't. Probably like pro- nine, it's probably like 98 or something. Probably, probably around been for a while. No, I feel like I don't know, maybe around the same time as Fruitopia. I remember Fruitopia. Yeah, they, they, would have, they had a strong presence in the late 90s. I feel like there was a lot of really undrinkable looking drinks that became oh for sure thing in the 90s oh for sure i remember in arizona i remember they had arizona pina coladas oh, orbits it's like a hotel then, no not those site what, what do you call orbits drink here we go here we go all right we're gonna find it yeah there they are discontinued 98 i was right oh nailed it uh drew was introduced in 97 discontinued 98 that did oh. not that did some of the best no one the, no one liked this drink. some of the best things were only one season brian <sighs> well bucky o'hare brave star I don't know if it was best. Bucky O'Hare was nostalgic, but I don't remember anything about it other than <laughs> it was something well, as Brave, a kid. Brave Star was No one excellent. knows what it is. I don't know about Brave Star. I'll trust you on that one. Eyes of the Hawk, Years of the Wolf, Strength of the Bear, Speed of wow. the Puma. <laughs> Just saying. I love, I love how both of us can remember the most obscure and unhelpful things. Absolutely. But yet we can't remember like very important intentional details of oh, what we're actually no. trying to talk about. Heavens no. Let's move on to another question since we're okay. still talking about Question one. Sorry, Hugo. Okay. Well, we'll go on to question number two. KC2 NPU. Tips for using slash caring for vac fillers, i.e. how to handle pens that stop writing, flood feed. Interpret from that what you will, Drew. Okay. A lot lot in there. I'm going to take out of that how to handle pens that stop writing. So a vac filler that stops writing. Yeah. The most common Hmm. cause of this is that you no longer have a have flow from the ink chamber to the nib. Yeah. 
that that's number one thing with vac fillers. If you have a vac filler and it just stops writing, take that piston knob, unscrew it to, mm-hmm. to kind of loosen you don't that. To, you don't have to pull it away the back. Not all, no. You're not like filling it again. No. Yeah. Just about all vac fillers seal off the grip section from the ink reservoir when you have that knob tightened all the way down. Now, why is that, Drew? Why would they design it that way? You know what? They don't have to, but it does provide a benefit. Well, I don't know. Some say it provides a benefit if to, to seal off the chamber. If you wanted to kind of like tip it upside down, whoop, pop, pop. Um, if you wanted to tip it upside down, let the ink fall back into the main chamber, mm-hmm. seal it back up, you would then no longer have ink into the grip section mm-hmm. uh, feed, whatnot, so that you would have any sort of pressure-related burpitude minimized. Mm. Like you would not have- Burpitude. Burpitude, yeah. Ink okay. burps. Ink burps, pressure-related ink mm. spritzifications. Um, mm. Honestly, if you flew Is with that a, like an issue? Is that really that, that, an That's issue? my thing. I, I don't think it's that big of an issue, but it's a thing. Vac fillers do it. Mm. Um, I have thoughts. I have thoughts. Well, you've you, you've flown plenty of times, and you have, and you've not had any sort of you know. Okay, well, here's the major thing. issues with those. Uh, true. Well, I always keep mine like sealed, so they're always doing their intended sealing off purpose when I fly with a back filler. So, well, as far as I know, it's doing its job. Right, but you. But if it wasn't, if that seal with, wasn't there, would it be a problem? You've flown really with piston fillers too, and they haven't had an issue. I have. Like I've flown true. with my Lamy 2000 plenty of times. So the thing I'll say about that is, it's not like. You know, I think, and we get this, it's so funny how we still continue to get this question on a pretty regular basis, despite having made many videos about it. Well, well, he's not asking about flying. True, true. That's right. We're completely deviated from his original question, but the re, it's, it's related, right? So they seal off that ink chamber because there is a significantly higher ink capacity in these vac fillers, most of them, than there are in a, even your bigger piston filling pens. So an argument can certainly be made for the fact that you are increasing the likelihood of ink instability, I'll call yeah, it. Yeah. Whether it's riding or traveling, even driving in a car, if you live in an area with a lot of mountains and stuff like that, I mean, changing elevation, you know, to, to any large degree within a short period of time can change the the pressure, which can cause your ink to be unstable and leak. So um, I think that there is a case to be made for that certainly. on a pen that has like above a two milliliter. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't do it for no reason. Right. I'm sure there's a reason for it, but it is super common. And if you have that knob screwed all the way down, you have, you're basically just using what's already in your feed. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes you have like an extra chamber beyond the feed between like the main chamber and the feed. Uh, If you've got a Visconti double reservoir power filler, that's what they do. They've got Mm -hmm. a little bonus zone, but a lot of the times it seals off directly behind the feed. So all you're writing with is what's in the feed, yeah. which is not... It's not like, a small amount of right, ink. It's, it's, about not, a, it's about a cartridge, a standard international cartridge is worth like half a mil. It's yeah. a surprisingly large amount of ink can fit in a feed. So you can write quite a bit, you know? So it's like it's not like every time you use the pen, you have to unscrew the back of that knob either. Essentially, think of it as like, it's a reservoir tank. And mm-hmm. It's a pretty, pretty large reservoir tank, but you have your, your you know, single cartridges worth of ink that you're writing with. And then when that starts to run dry, you open that knob back up, get more ink down in there. Now, if you write it and it's like bone dry, then you You're have probably to kind of get it started again. Yeah. Well, I mean, even a pen like, you know, most of the vac fillers I'm thinking of are, are demonstrators. So it's pretty easy to see like the king of demonstrators that was pointed out to us here, the A23. You know, you can see when there's ink in there. And if it's running dry, 
you could be out of just the ink in the front section there. You just need to open up the back, let more ink go down. It might take a, a second for it to work down through if you've like written bone dry that grip mm-hmm. section, right? Um, but then once the ink flows down through, you can you can screw that knob back down and you're good to go for another like cartridge's worth of writing. Which or you can, can just write many with the, pages. or we can just write with the knob unscrewed. Every time you want to write, unscrew the knob and you don't have to worry about anything. You can also do that. Um, sometimes I find it's that the opened up knob can feel a little sharp on my grip. Yeah. Um like right right at right on my palm right here. Mm-hmm. Um especially with the VAC seven hundred. Those those, those yeah, are kind that of sharp. One's a little sharp. Eight twenty three yeah. less so little, but yeah but still so you can do that. That's certainly a solution. But it's super common for people to get a VAC filler, especially with yeah. you know ever since the seven hundred came out that's a very, very accessible yeah. right it's a very accessible mm-hmm. affordable back filling pen mm-hmm. and uh there is some information in there but if you don't look at the information you're not going to know that it's pretty much sealed up once you screw it down yeah, so that's true i think the likelihood of somebody getting one of those pens and inadvertently having it dry up on them because they're not they don't know about that knob thing and they're they're not undoing that when they write is significantly greater than the chance of taking a pen on a plane and having it leak because it doesn't have that filling thing in there. Now, I will say there are a couple of pens um, where you can actually remove, if you're into hacking territory here, you can actually remove the seal that blocks the ink chamber from, not the seal that actually fills the pen because the ink flows around that bigger seal. Right. But there's sometimes a secondary seal. Yeah, if you have an this older VAC 700. They redesigned it so it doesn't have that second right. seal. So you can't do it on the VAC 700 anymore. Not the new one, yeah. If you have an older one, you can. Can you do it on the VAC Mini? Or did they redesign that one too? I'm trying to remember. They redesigned it. They redesigned that one too? Yeah. I, okay. I want to say they so redesigned on the that Twizbees. one first. Maybe they did. That one's not as nearly as a popular pen, even though I think it doesn't get enough love. Yeah. Um, but I know you can do it on the 823. Be careful. Pilot's pretty particular about modification of their pens at all oh yeah do it at your own risk absolutely um but anyway that's a that's a big reason why i think it can write dry yep so what do you do about it drew is literally just undo that knob and then you're good to go generally yes if you have if you're if you're operating the knob as you should and you're still experiencing you know uh drying out uh a you're probably not using a back 700 because they uh, seal really well. You're probably not using an 823 because they also seal really I'm well. I think of like a back that doesn't seal well around the nib. And None because they're all, all pretty. Well they're all sealed. really good. Like even yeah. if you, even the uh, Visconti Homo Sapiens, they've got mm-hmm. their. Uh, they don't advertise it. You know, Platinum advertises a slip and seal inner cap, which is a spring loaded inner cap that mm-hmm. really compresses the grip section to make sure yeah. you get a nice seal. Visconti has the same thing. There's a spring loaded mm-hmm. inner cap in those bad boys, so that if you've got a uh, hook safe lock system usually found on mm-hmm. your homo sapiens your operas opera masters uh, that's essentially what you're doing when it kind of clicks in you go over the hook and you know pops yeah. in that's the spring pushing an inner cap mm-hmm. down there so those seal really well too so the it, design's a little different because I believe the platinum one is patented they, and all that yeah, it so is, it's but, like it's, but yeah, they've enough, got but they've got a hook safe system but yeah um, I, so it shouldn't be happening all that much. I'd say that there's mm-hmm. a 90% chance if you're running into issues with your VAC pen, yeah. it's because of that seal. So, In some way related to that seal. So I'll take this in a slightly different direction. I mean, I think it's cool. Everything we've covered here, it all makes sense. I didn't view it so much as like, you know, what about the VAC filler is causing it to stop writing, which is kind of what we've covered so far. It's more like, hey, just like any fountain pen, like I, did, I haven't cleaned it enough or I let it sitting out too long or whatever, and it's not writing enough. How do you 
get it going again, you know, cause like if you have a piston or a cartridge converter, or, you know, a converter, you can just like twist the piston a little bit, let a little ink down to flood the feed. Cause he says flood feed at the end here. So I'm thinking like, basically like, I don't really care how it got there. How do I get it going? Again? Right, right, right. So I think, you know, yes, unscrewing the knob and all that, getting ink down to it. That's obviously really important, but still, what if it's like, what if it's just a little clogged? You know, what if you got something going on there? So I think then you're basically into some of the principles of like, well, with any pen, yeah, you like know, standard pen maintenance. Yeah, you might need to flush and clean it. But if it's, you know, filled with, you know, three mils of ink of something that is precious to you, you may not want to do that. Um, you can try dipping the nib in water. Um, sometimes if you have ink, especially if you have a pen that's been left out for a while or maybe hasn't been maintained properly, which I have a lot of experience with that maybe Drew doesn't. Um, Sometimes that that ink can uh, dry out a little bit. The water evaporates out of the ink and leaves the dye behind, and that just kind of becomes I don't want to say sludgy, but it could be, you know it's it's a thicker, less um, less flowy substance that's left in your feed. And um, sometimes just dipping that in water, you know, a, a few times, you know, using a paper towel to kind of like draw that through a little bit can sort of reconstitute it. And you don't have to do a full flushing and cleaning, but just getting it wet again can sometimes be enough to kind of get it going. So that might be something worth trying. Um, you can also, if you don't want to do that in water, you can just literally try just dipping it back into the ink that you filled it with. If you've got that handy, you can do that. Or you can literally just, you know, since it's a vac filler, you know, basically every time you're filling it, you're just, you're flushing ink through it anyway. You can literally, if you have the ink handy that you filled it with in the first place, you can just take the thing and flush, you know, a few pumps into the ink and it'll kind of flush and recirculate it all. And that might be enough to kind of kickstart it once again. Uh, but flooding the feed just from the ink chamber down through the feed Risky itself. Risky business. It can be done, but you remember that episode a little while ago where I was trying to do the ink saturation. I get ink all over my hands. About half the time, that's what I end up doing when I try to gracefully flood the feed of my vac filler. So I will say, if you're doing it for curiosity's sake and you're okay with having ink all your fingers, go nuts. But I wouldn't necessarily do it if I was like in the hotel room of a business conference or something and I had three minutes before I was trying to get down to the next session. Please don't. That's not the time to do that. I would would do like the water trick or something else we already mentioned. So there you go. There we go. All right. All right. Next, uh, we have a question from Aricontilde. All right. All right, Contilde. Best pens with replacement nibs. With two exclamation points. So it's not a question, just just making a, an exclamation. The best. Um, this is a tough one because um, I don't know what you mean by best. Ah. I mean, like, what's the criteria here? But anyway, I'll just list some <laughs> that I thought of. Um, best place to start. Cause there's a lot of options basically, Yeah, but it's, it's kind of nuanced and it's not always so easy to tell. All right, there's going to be some keywords. I'm not going to let you say anymore. One is nuanced. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, okay, what okay. else? Depends. No, no, you do. Yeah, no, you, you do your thing. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll clean up. Um, so best place to start is to go to our Gooley Pens um, navigation and go to the replacement nibs page. That's a really good idea. Because I mean, the first it's all there. thing is to narrow down yeah. which pens even have replacement yeah. nibs. Now, the thing I'll say is on those replacement nib pages, it doesn't necessarily list every single pen, every single model that has, you know, that that replacement nib might fit. Um, you you sort of get into uh, MacGyver territory here where you're like, well, this nib doesn't say that it fits, but I know that if I take it out of the housing that it will fit into this other pen, but it might just need a little bit of adjustment or blah, 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 blah. So it gets tough because basically unless a company has designed 
their pen with their nib that's made to be swapped, that's made as a replacement for their pen models, no manufacturer is going to say, oh, yeah, go ahead and put whatever you want. It's fine. I'm sure it'll work fine, and we'll totally cover it with warranty. Right. It's all good. Nah. No, that doesn't happen. As it makes sense, if you are, whatever, making cars, and you're like, yeah, whatever, just put duct tape and slap whatever wiring you want right. in there, and it's fine. I'm sure it'll work. And then it doesn't. You got a problem. So Yeah. Can you imagine, you know, calling, you know, uh, uh Microsoft saying like, hey, my, you know, my, my Xbox, you know, it's like, oh, just just uh, buy this thing off Amazon. You know, you should be fine. Doesn't, you know. Yeah, whatever. You know, you know just hook up a no name brand. Old, you got an old car battery. I'm right. sure you can find a way to hook it yeah, up to it. It's fine. That. They want to hey, make sure that, you know, it's still in good shape and they can control these mm-hmm. accessories that they put out. And B, they want to make money off of the accessories they did make. So they want you to buy those. Sure. Um, I don't Honestly, I don't think that's the case with most pen companies. I don't think they're making any money on replacement nibs. The, of the manufacturers that we've talked to, it's like, believe me, they're not like, oh, yeah, give me that nib money. Well, that would explain why most companies <laughs> most like, don't do it. Most of them are reluctant to do it. They're like, this is such a pain. We don't make anything because, you know, there are fixed costs associated with creating a SKU, having a UPC, having a ship, having to do all these things. The marketing is literally all of it. So it's like for these little bits and parts and pieces and all that, it's honestly more hassle than it's yeah. worth. Yeah. Most, most pen most companies that. don't sell their nibs separately. Yeah. And that's why a lot of times when you have nibs, they're like half the cost of the pen or more. Partly because- Especially if they're gold. Well, if it's gold, Ooh. then you, it actually is. Like uh, the materials themselves are really expensive. I've never seen a gold nib for less than $100. Oh, no. Not at all. And usually they're taking slim margins on it. And- the reason we don't offer a lot of spare gold nibs is because the margins are awful for us as a retailer too. So they seem really expensive because they are. Yeah. And no one makes any money any along the way at all. And it's a huge pain. And then the end result is that the, whoever's shopping for it thinks it's expensive and overpriced. Oh, wait. So it's like, oh, this is this is not not very economical. For I everybody. take that back. Wasn't the... The, was the vanishing point nib under under a hundred dollars? That one is technically. Yeah. There you go. That's a gold nib. So okay. I was wrong. I Fair was enough. wrong. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I mean, that's very specific to one model, of and it's also a very tiny amount pens. of gold. That's the only reason. And it's they getting can do tinier it. every it's, year. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> the only way they can do it. It's, it's economical, right? So um, anyway, go check out that page. That's a good place to start. That'll at least point you in the right direction, which brands, maybe which models. Um, so some that are really more known for having some replaceable nibs. Uh, Lamy is a big one. You can swap it out. It's pretty straightforward to do that. Sometimes you can do it just with your fingers or you can just use a piece of tape to help grip it or a, you know, a piece of rubber grip or something like that. Um, really pretty straightforward. It can be done wrong, but I mean, there's a lot of people who have done it and done it well. So um, that's one of the more replaceable ones. And mo- mo- one of the more like intentionally crafted to be replaced yeah, ones. Yeah. Like, you, would, you, could, you could argue that Lamy is... They don't really like market it necessarily as that They make way. it easy though. They do make it easy. Like you can they tell like easy. being on rails like it is, yeah. that that those pins are designed to be mm-hmm. swapped out. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Pilot Vanishing Point, which we already mentioned, you know, most swappable gold nib for sure, um, also works on the Desmo, same nib unit. So Vanishing Point, Desmo, Fermo. Uh, Fermo? The, yeah. You remember the Fermo? I remember the Fermo. I'm just surprised you said Fermo before saying LS or... Well, I was thinking of what initials were for the LS. You went straight to Fermo territory. Well, you know, I was going chronologically based on what we've carried before. Okay, Fermo. Yeah. I mean, the the LS is just a fancy Fermo, basically, right? I remember remember one... Same concept. (laughs) No! It's the same concept. Oh, 
it's the back twisting, oh, you know, oh, uh, retractable right. nib. It's, right. it's, uh, it's like the, it's like the, the old school Batmobile is like the Fermo and then like the newer, cooler Batmobile, whichever I don't, I'm, boy, I'm, I don't know why I brought this one up because Drew knows, <laughs> and there are many Batmobiles. So maybe this is not the great, greatest example. But I don't know. If the Fermo was a Batmobile, it would be the one from Batman and Robin. That's what is exactly what I was thinking of. Okay. The one with the like super huge okay. fins. Okay, one of the like obnoxious ones that long. no one wants to remember. And you're like, it does look kind of cool, but it's like nobody really wants it. It's like, That's a Fermo. Okay. That's a Fermo. Okay. And then the VP, the LS, you're like, okay, you're like, yeah, this is this is like the tumbler. Like this is yes. cool. Yes. Okay. That no. is my favorite. Product. I'm tracking with you. I, you're not. You're not saying wrong I'm, things. I'm bordering on the edge of not knowing what I'm talking about. No, but I do know good. the Tumblr because that's, that's, yes. that's a cool looking, that's a cool looking, uh, you know, they like designed that for real too. That was an actual. Yeah, they drove it. Why am I saying this? Like you don't already know it. No, but, I like hearing it again. Yeah. I watched a video about whatever. Yeah, Christopher seeing. Nolan does a lot of practical effects. Yeah. It's very cool. He's all he about legitimately that. created that Tumblr. And I was like, that is cool as heck. He also created an actual Tumblr to toss around Joseph Gordon Levitt in a spinning hallway for inception. It, they had a fight scene in a hallway, and he created a giant rotating I hallway. That. Oh my god! Yeah, that's a cool movie. It's a different type of tumble. It is indeed. <laughs> you are the tumbler. Um, okay. Yes, uh, Twisby is another. So that Twisby is one where they you can tell they really designed it to like they have special packaging for yeah. the nib and all that. Like Lamy, they like offer a nib, but it's like okay, fine, here's a nib. Yeah, you know. But Twisby is like that's part of the value prop. Mm-hmm. Of you know getting a five eighty, it's kind of part of their mission. Like we're back, yeah. Very, mm-hmm. all of their pens are designed to be self serviceable. Yeah, and that includes the nib. Absolutely. And now some of these, like you said, you know, are we don't have an extensive list on what it can fit, but those with, one, yeah, these ones that are like within brand, we're usually more specific about it. But the, you do have to, when we when we start getting to the ones that can be are more universal, like the number six. Like yoga, oh, like yeah, Argoulet no, that, nibs. That's, that's weird. Like Argoulet nibs are a good example. We offer those. They can be put on a variety of different things. But honestly, like sometimes those models themselves will change a little bit because they'll change something on the housing or the way the feed fits or whatever. And we're like, eh, well, this kind of fits, but not yeah. as well as it used to. And they didn't really say when they changed it. So, you know, we really lack some confidence in, in really being able to say specifically all models that fit on some of these replacement nibs. So this is the ones I've covered here that are like very brand specific and even like Kaweco has some that are pretty brand specific. So like, yes, if it's designed, you know, and offered by that company to be used on those pens. Cool. Those are usually pretty straightforward. The ones where you're franken penning and, and swapping parts, that's where you're really into the McGuire. Yeah. And I will say that Twisby makes their nibs with the intention of you just like unscrewing them and screwing them back on mm-hmm. with that grip section attached. But yeah, for yeah. a lot of them, you don't use that grip section. Like they'll sell the mini and then they'll sell a 580 nib and a vac nib. Mm-hmm. But if you have an eco or a yeah. swipe or something like that, then you actually need to take the nib itself off. You don't have any use for the grip section yeah. that it comes with. Right. That can be a little tricky. The feeds are a little fragile. So I have a video on that and I will link that. Um, if I can remember to do that. But uh, otherwise, just search for Twisby uh, Eco Nib Swap or something well, like that. Ha- yell at him in the comments, and he can link to it in the description. Don't yell at me. After the fact. I'm very sensitive. You I'm like a Twisby speak. feed. My don't, emotions are like a Twisby feed, and I will collapse. Don't yell. Just speak forcefully. There we go. That works. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with uh, – I, I think that Lamy is the best. Um, I think that one that is overlooked – 
is steel pilot nibs. So you've got the uh, discontinued Plumix um, yep. that uh, is, might still be available near you. I don't know. But uh, mm-hmm. that one, you've got the you know, $13, $14 uh, Kakuno. Mm-hmm. You've got the Metro, the Explorer, the Prera. Um, and then, uh, there might be another one hovering around there that you can't get in the U S but penmanship. You, yeah, you've got like four or five different pens that can all take the same nib. And if you buy, if you can find the Plumix for sale anywhere right now, that's the, the cheapest option. But even mm-hmm. if you buy a Kakuno. That's stub nib only on the Plumix. Right. Yeah. But if you on the Kakuno, you can get an extra fine. So if you have a, yeah. you know, $60, um, Prera and you want to get an extra fine for that, Good, the good cost hack. the cost yeah. of the Kakuno is less than the cost of what it would take to buy a brand new Lamy nib, just the it's nib, true. and true. you get a pen. Yeah. So it seems like you're buying a pen, but it's no more expensive than buying mm-hmm. a just Lamy nib. It's, but it's but it's a hack. You're like they're not designing it necessarily to be done that way. No, no, it's they're like not. the economies of scale for them using the same nib on multiple pens. But it's no different than so, taking yeah, theoretically a, you can remove it. It's no different than taking a Twisby mini nib and putting putting it on an Eco. It's no different because you have to pull the nib and the feed mm-hmm. out anyway. So you yeah. have to do that with a Kakuno. So that's something that I like to recommend because those nibs are super easy to pull. Fair enough. Um, they're nice to situate onto the feeds. They're uh, they kind of like sit on top of the feed really securely. Yeah. They kind of like lock in there. So those are some of my favorites to swap. Yeah, those are good. And they're good nibs. Yeah. They just take a little more acumen, I would say. It's not like... No more than a... If someone's like brand new to fountain pens, I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, just get this and swap the nib because it'll be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But something like a Lamy or a Twisby, I feel a little more... Twisby is... Well, it depends on which Twisby though because if if you're... I'm talking like... 580 you're screwing, getting a 580 them right unit. on it. okay gotcha. yeah yep. that's a little easier for to sure. grasp you're not for you, sure. you don't feel like you're taking anything apart right you're like i'm swapping something that's designed to be swapped uh-huh. you know as opposed to i am dismantling a pen and rebuilding it onto for another sure. pen no feed pulling yeah exactly exactly cool all right next question we got from don gowell gowell will uh, who are some famous fountain pen users? This is a fun one. Yeah. And, you listed um, a lot here. You listed a lot. I did a little bit of research and oh. uh, some of my own knowledge as well. So we definitely know about okay. the Neils. The Neils are very, very the Neil, into they're fountain out pens. There. They're out there So in terms of yes. people knowing that they use pens. It's a thing. It mm-hmm. is known. Neil deGrasse Tyson and uh, Neil Gaiman. Gaiman, yeah. So we know that Neil Gaiman loves his 823 and his Pilot Blue. Very known for that. And uh, yeah. we know that Neil deGrasse Tyson loves his uh, Namikis. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are both on record as saying that, you know, in several places. In fact, uh, David Parker, Fig Boot on Pens, has a great, super famous interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson where they just talked about fountain pens the whole time. Yeah. And I still love watching that. It from took time him to like, time. I think it was like two and a half years or something to set he, that interview yeah, up. Yeah, that was, he that was, was persistent. He, but he got it. He did? He got it. Props. So that, Props. that was a great thing to do. Um, the little, Steve, oh. little, little fun fact. Neil Gaiman. The, the I don't know if it's still, but um, the bottle of the Pilot Blue that he has was mine. I saw on Twitter that he like was traveling or something and it broke. Mm-hmm. And I knew he was a fan. I just reached out to him and I was like, hey, I know you can't buy this bottle by itself. Do you want mine? Just I appreciate all you do for promoting writing in the pen world. Happy to send you my ink. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> yep. And he took it. Yeah. So it didn't make a big deal about you, it or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, it was like, it's just cool. Like. That's my ink. There you go. He's got my ink. That's so cool. No gaming, use my ink. That's that kind of cool. awesome. Anyway, 
Um, Stephen <laughs> King, uh, my favorite author, uh, uses fountain pens. Rosario Dawson, actually. Kristen Stewart. Alton Brown, who hmm. actually has my wax seal because we were out of stock. He wanted to buy a B. And uh, since I had a B, because mm. we share the same last name, hey. I just sent it to him for free. So um, oh. I eventually got another one. Uh, <laughs> Still, that's I cool. I, I think I might have. He's got your wax seal. Yeah. I, he has touched the same thing that you have there touched. There you go. That's kind of cool, right? Team Brown. <laughs> um, I, I don't think, I think I might have asked the company to reimburse me for that uh, wax seal. Probably. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Probably. You asked me for a lot of things, so yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Johnny Depp's a fan of the uh, uh, Lonnie Safari. Safari, and then hmm. uh, I think yeah, Mont Blanc he went on record as talking about that as well. I feel like the Safari is a oh yeah very popular pen amongst many celebrities. Absolutely, yeah. uh, Emma Watson. Uh, she is. Uh, I've, we've seen her with a, a Lilliput, a Quebec yeah. Lilliput. Oprah Winfrey, Howard Stern, Edward Norton, um, all on record as uh, being fountain pen users. I can't remember the guy's name, but <laughs> anyway. I thought of somebody as we were talking. So. All right, well, yeah, who, who you got? Uh, well, I got I got a whole list. I just added it to the end. No, you go through your list. That was it. Oh, that was your whole list. Yeah, okay, cool. Finished up with uh, Solid list. the artist formerly known as the Incredible Hulk, Edward Norton. There you go. Um, I, I always remember him from Fight Club. Mm. Anyway, uh, Deborah Messing, uh, famous actress. She's a big Lamy fan. I don't know. Um, I don't know her. Um, let's see here. She's a whole bunch of things. What was she in? She, Rachel modeled the hair that she had done for her wedding after the hair that she had in, uh, some rom-com. I can't remember the name of it. What the heck was it? It okay. had, what's his face? The guy with the mouth and the hair. Oh, oh Steve man. Tyler. No, no, I can picture him. Mick Jagger. Dag on it. No, I don't remember. But anyway, look up Deborah Messing. Okay, very nice lady. <laughs> okay, um, but she's a Lamy. She's a big Lamy fan. Awesome. So yeah, um, and then um, George W. Bush, former U.S. president. I remember made, him. Made some video at some point. I don't remember, but he was holding up a, a Pilot Varsity the whole time in this video. It wasn't anything pen related or whatever, but it was like, oh, I guess he's using that that's a practical this pen. was after he was after he was president he had some video about something i don't remember what all right uh nathan fillion oh that's right i he's forgot a, about him he's a lami 2000 guy that's right yep and a tachia savannah guy that's right <laughs> he had that he's that, the one he had that bone pen <laughs> the bone pen that weird right. thing um yeah and then what the heck is his name the guy who plays wolverine hugh jackman hugh jackman did you write that there I wrote, I oh, wrote you wrote Wolverine? I wrote Wolverine. <laughs> I was like, I literally can't remember the guy's name. Hugh yeah, Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Um, I don't know how much of a like true fan he is, but he's like a sponsored like whoever for Mont Blanc. <gasps> That's he's right. all kinds of Mont Blanc stuff. I remember when they announced him as a yeah. spokesperson. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I guess Sylvester oh, Stallone too. Sylvester Stallone, yeah. yeah. I was just thinking, he, he least, designed a pen yeah, with Mont Grappa. He at least uses that pen. Yeah. I don't know if he uses pens, but he uses I the chaos. I think if you design a pen with your friggin' name and you're in the like branding you're in the advertisement for the well, pen i don't know because i, I, I don't know um, he used the pen mm, he used the I, pen he used he used, he used it for he, the photograph he, to promote the pen he, that he designed. we don't know he wrote with it now i'm a huge stallone fan love him who are some famous fountain pen users we don't know that he used that's it. that's the question have you seen expendables 2 brian because i have and in oh, that yeah, movie oh. he used the chaos pen but it was a rollerball okay well Look, let's not let's not judge somebody based on what they used in a movie. I'm I have never seen him write with a fountain pen. He used it in the photograph for the chaos. He was, was holding he it. He was holding it. That's using it. That's using it. Yeah. 
I, an argument can be made that you're using a fountain pen. So if I sat on a motorcycle, that's me riding the motorcycle. I've ridden a motorcycle then. Well, it's different. You're using the motorcycle. If you sit on a motorcycle and you have a picture taken that's used to advertise the motorcycle, you're using that motorcycle. You do not believe that. You're using you're that motorcycle. You're only saying that for 100%. this argument. No, 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 no. I fully believe. I, I don't think that was the heart of the question. Okay, so if I go but over to your I house argue, and I pick up your, your, your TIG welder, I'm like, yes, like, I've used a welder before. I've used. Well, if you're just picking it up, what are you using it for? Like, are you accomplishing anything by doing that? I'm just saying, could I say that I've used a welder before? Like, yeah, I've used Brian's welder. If you like took a picture of yourself and and posted something on Instagram saying I'm using this welder, then I'd be like, you're using it to look <laughs> like a welder poser on Instagram. You're using it. Yes, that is uh, that is something that you could say. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'm really just arguing for the sake of arguing. <sighs> One could very easily deduce. That if you have a pen that's branded after you and you're holding it in the photograph, you've probably written with that pen. One could deduce the opposite. I've never seen with my own two eyes any of these people actively writing with a fountain pen. So there is an assumption to be made for all of them. Fair enough. Fair enough. But if you're visually photographed (laughs) with a fountain pen in your hand. You better eat that thing up and drive. You would make the. That's right. Don't just sit on that pen. You got to ride it. Anyway. That was fun. I, I guarantee you we have at least one listener that owns the Chaos Pen, the Chaos Fountain Pen. I hope so. Well, well, no, I know so. Yeah? I know so. You know for a fact? I do. That's awesome. I do. He knows who he is. Yeah. There you go. All right, Drew. That was a lot of fun. <gasps> oh, boy. Now we get to go. To- All right. You really pulled some good oh, ones Oh, golly. Yeah, here we go. You're going to break your brain on this one. Haley Cates asks break. the very, very simple, easy to answer question that Brian will have no hard time mm, with. What yeah. do you think... Is the future of fountain pens, Brian? Twenty words or less. How am I supposed to answer this question? <laughs> what is the future of anything? Like, I don't know. It's such an open-ended question. What is okay. the future of anything? What is the what is the yeah? Um, it's tough to say. So my when I is it going to be nuanced? When I don't know how to answer a question, I like to go back in time oh, and God. reflect on what has uh-huh. happened before, so that I can hopefully find the answer somewhere. I don't have like a firm thing. Um, so we got into this whole fountain pen thing. Like the perspective that I have, because anytime you're talking about the future, it's like anybody can say what might happen in the future. And I'm going to say, if you pull this video 10 or 20 years from now, it's probably going to be like, this is such utter nonsense. Brian clearly had no idea what he was talking about. I say that about, I I will say that about myself, you know, 45 minutes from now. (laughs) Well, that's also true. Yeah. Um, so my perspective is I knew nothing about fountain pens leading up to basically 2009. That's, that was when my fountain pen awakening happened in me. So everything I know about them has happened since then. But at that time, there was a lot of conversation, very serious conversation in the pen industry about the fact that it was dying, that it was going to go away, that people were going to stop going to shows and that no one was, you know, learning how to write in school and that basically there was no future for the fountain pen world. So we've heard that for going on 13 years. Uh, And it was very believed at that time. I think that many people have been surprised in the industry, at least um, at the resurgence in many ways of fountain pens. I don't know whether it's like a resurgence across the board, because there are other brands who have shriveled up and gone away and been reduced and stuff like that. I think it's definitely a resurgence in the US. In the US? I would think so. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. Um, I don't know about globally. I don't don't know. It depends on where we want to go with this question, but it's so open-ended. I have no idea. Um, Thankfully, I do not believe 
that at least looking back at that 2009, 2010 timeframe, uh, that you could say that that future has happened. Now, no. Will it happen at some point? Sure. Everything will go away at some point. But in the near future, I don't think fountain pens are going to go away in the near future. I think that it's going to evolve, um, especially right now. Like there is so much crazy stuff going on in the world right now with supply chain stuff, global economy, all these interrelated, you know, just impacts of economies and manufacturing goods and the, you know, just the, the you know, uh, climate stuff and just all these interrelated things. Um, it's so hard to say really where much of anything is going to go with a lot of confidence. Um, the thing I will say is that um, I suspect that the passion that drives the fountain pen industry will continue because that has um, proven itself to be very resistant to outside forces. <laughs> you know, I mean, fountain pens have not been taught in U.S. schools in 50 years at least. I mean, think about most schools. Think about when we shut down, you know, when when the pandemic yeah. first hit hard and yeah. we were like legit closed we're like, is for this three gonna, months. Is this going to be the end? Did we have thing, no did, idea. Did things dry up or did people still buy from us? Like, yeah. They kept on buying. We're like, we yeah. can't ship anything. Oh, no, that's fine. Ship it when you can. I still want some fountain pens when you, when you get yeah. back. Yeah. Everything else in the world is crazy, but I want some pens because they're my safe place in the world. And it's like, that's incredible. Like, that's so cool. Like, what a special community we For have For real. Um, and I, I totally get that too. So I think that's just, that's, to me, that feels like something that's more in the conversation now than it's been in the past. Like even in like the nineties and two thousands, like there were a lot of fountain pens being sold, collected, invested, whatever. Yeah. A lot of limited editions. That's when like Mont Blanc was putting out crazy limited editions all the time. There was a lot of conversation about fountain pens selling and people buying them and collecting and kind of using them to a great degree, but not, not to this depth, not to like this, like, like you said, a little bit of self-actualization, you know, with people journaling and doing mental health and like really having a reprieve from the pressures of the world and technology and everything and going analog. And like that is all something that's been really interesting phenomenon as the digital world has just kind of enveloped us in every single aspect of our lives to have these like specific analog things um, that we can kind of like settle into. And it might be fountain pens. It might be all kinds of other things, right? For some people, it's like pinball machines or who knows, gardening, all kinds of other things like getting your hands like tactile, like touching real things, doing activities that don't involve a screen. Um, I think that that is going to be something that becomes more precious over time because, um, you know, it's just it's going to be so pervasive in every area of our life. And we're going to have a lot more in our life that's not only digital, but in like you look at like metaverse and like where things are going in that direction, not like complete alternate reality or AR or whatever. Like you could easily argue like that stuff will kill writing instruments altogether. Like we will have no need to write anything down because we won't even be operating in a physical world in many aspects. And I think we're a long ways off of that kind of dystopian view of what happens to society of like, think about the movie uh, WALL-E where everybody's just like, fat and floating around yeah. on like you know eating all of their meals they, out of a cup they can't even like get up and walk really except they totally do and they're like running around and doing so. i'm like this is like not reality that movie like it's not it's not accurate to its own narrative like they have never really like got up in their life and now they're like running around and throwing missiles and all this and i'm like this is how do they have the muscles for this they would be totally atrophied they would like couldn't even get up and stand up off the floor like no sorry 
Sorry, Pixar. You, you missed it on that one. I love the rest of that movie, but that's always bothered me. Anyway. Um, I, so do you think that, <clears throat> based on your kind of trajectory of thinking here, okay. that eventually, whereas once upon a time, manual efforts were the routine, the things that had to happen, the mm-hmm. work, yeah. and digital things when they were new were the fun, luxury, the novelty. casual novelty items. Do yeah. you think that's going to flip? And one day, the digital stuff will be the everyday stuff, the work stuff, everything that we have to do will be done digitally. And the analog stuff, the manual mm. stuff, will be where we find the joy, where mm. we find kind of the the break and the relaxation. I think there's an argument that could be made for that. I don't know if you can apply that to just like universally, like the whole world, the whole whatever. Because like digital, is, it's not going, it's not like everybody's going to plug into like the matrix and there will be no physical world that we interact with anymore. I sure, don't think sure. we're going to have that. But like in the, in the, in the, I don't know if you ever read the book or watched the movie Ready Player One. I am but not. essentially, you know, all the kids went to school, you know, yeah. in this virtual world. Okay. Um, they had their avatars, you know, and it makes sense. Like you could do that. You know, if everybody had one of those headsets, yeah. you know, there were like the, the, the crappier we, headsets. And we the got to see ones. a little bit of what that looked yeah, like. So like I, I can see that and I can see how a lot of people do work mm-hmm. digitally like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously there, there, it wasn't like the matrix where they were like 100% plugged in. They, they'd take it off and yeah. they'd eat, you know, in their yeah. trailers and stuff like that. But uh, something like that's not too hard to believe. No, I think you're, it's interesting the point you bring up that like what seems like a novelty eventually, you know, like all things like cars were a novelty. Now it's like, OK, yeah, you might get excited about a new car every now and then, but you don't look at the car, at the street and go, wow, look at that motorized horse that's going down the street. You know, it's like so commonplace. We don't even really think about it. Well, there was a movie where all the cars were automatic, but then they found a car that was like an like an old uh like an old car with like an actual engine in it. Mm. Oh my god, what movie was that in? And it was like a big deal. They're like, "Oh my mm. god, it's it's a gas-powered car." And yeah, I mean, that's eventually going to be a thing, right? Like uh, that's the direction things are going. Things are going to evolve over time, and that's going to totally be a thing. So, I think that uh, you know, it's fountain pens are never going to be mainstream again. Like that was they had their moment, they were a commodity. Right. They were a utility you know, just like typewriters, just like, you know, anything that's used for just, you know, business communication and commerce and all that type of stuff. You know, once you have a more efficient way to communicate, then everything that came before it goes off into some degree of obscurity. And fountain pens absolutely fall into that territory. Um, However, there's more of a passion and more of a fan base around fountain pens than there are for many other things that have fallen by the wayside because of technology. Um, I think partly because they were around for quite a while, actually. And also they do, I think people are rediscovering a, a new defined purpose that they serve. So it's like, it's like a new context of, of how they're served. Um, or maybe just a rediscovery of it. Because I think you could argue like people still journaled, they still corresponded, they still, even at the times where everybody was using a fountain pen, People still use them for these same purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it didn't feel as novel, you know, when they were more ubiquitous. Now it feels more novel. So I think they're going to continue to live in that very novel place, which means it's going to be very passionate, very connected, very like-minded people that 
use them, that make them, that sell them, that, you know, discover them. Uh, it's going to continue. I see that being, you know, a continued trend. Nice. And maybe that will evolve and, and technology will start to merge with it a little bit, just as social media and video production has helped more people to rediscover it. But, you know, I think that just the, because it's so rooted in an analog nature, um, I think that that is going to be something that over time gets a little bit more sophisticated, but still remains uh, fairly novel and nostalgic. Um, so I think with that, you're going to have, you're going to continue to have niche brands. They're going to develop things. I think as technology develops and we all have the better ability to connect with each other and communicate and globally distribute products, I think you're going to see, you know, sp special themes, limited edition products, designs, things like that, that are not made for mass appeal, but are made for very specific targeted kind of audiences. I think of a company like Retro 51, like they, they pump out designs of pens where 99% of the world would look at these pens and be like, why the heck would you buy that pen? But for the 1%, they're like, they made this pen for me. Exactly. I can see that be being a much more common thing. Um, and then I think that, uh, you know, what I hope at least is that there's as much more talk and discovery about like mental health and, you know, just like <laughs> going back with this, a little bit of self-actualization. Um, I think that that's a really important discussion that's being had right now, especially with pandemic and being socially isolated in many ways and so much just stress and stuff going on and people needing to come up with ways to cope with things that are outside of their control. There's a lot of what I think is interesting conversation going on about therapy and journaling and, and mental health. Um, and I could see intentionally like writing and fountain pens are one of the most intentional writing tools that you can get. So I think there's a really interesting, you know, um, uh, timeline to follow <laughs> in, yeah. in, in that, uh, in that realm that I, I'm personally very interested in seeing where that goes. And I think that what you're saying jives with a lot of, uh, corresponding trends that we see with, collectors and, uh, you know, fans of fountain pens mm. use in other aspects of their life. Like they are fans of uh, automatic watches. They're fans mm. of typewriters. They're fans of these more analog instruments that are in a lot of ways obsolete, but mm. they have kind of uh, transformed into these passions rather mm -hmm. than yeah. the, uh, um, yeah, what would you call them uh, as a, uh, before they were commodities. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're outside of the commodity zone now, but that has kind of like given them a second life mm -hmm. and a more passionate life. Yeah. I mean, you could argue cars like that are kind of like that. Like people who are car enthusiasts, getting a car with a stick shift right now is kind of like having a fountain pen. Mm. You know, it's like falling into that territory. Yep. You know, so it's like if, if you're getting a car with a stick shift, you're getting a car that's intentionally like a little bit harder to drive. You know, not anybody can just jump in and drive one. Uh, and uh, you're driving it because you like that experience better. There are certain cars, if you're a hardcore car enthusiast and you want a stick shift, you're going to be limited in the cars that you can buy because not everything even has a stick shift available to purchase. So I think- Less that, every year. Yeah. So I think even with something as vast, so think about like a stick shift, you know, sporty, whatever driving car, 50 years from now, you know, we may not even have- combustion engines at all you'll have to get a modification done you'll, yeah so having a stick shift it's going to be like such a foreign concept but you'll be like yeah this is like how cars were this is how people got around they didn't even think about it that's how that was what fountain pens were around actually kind of around that same time so it is interesting to see where it goes so i don't know 
Well, there you have it. There you go. Lots of pontification about the future. There we go. All right. Drew has a tip of the week for us. So, Drew, take it away. Okay. This is an easy one. Um, if you have a pen case, and now this could be something like this, or it could be uh, Aston. They have a little uh, slot in one in their flaps. It's like a business card size. Yeah. If you have a pen case that has an extra pouch or slot in it, like this one does right here, um, or if you don't, a great way to keep track of your pens and what they have inked up is to simply just write it down and stick it in there. Now, for me, I try to remember it because I only have three pens inked up at any given time. Mm. But let's say you have a bunch inked up. I don't know what you're talking about. Just write it down. I remember And I know this seems really, really simple. But it's been a huge benefit for me is to keep a uh, field notes or something similar in my rickshaw like this right here. So you keep like a whole notebook in there. I do. It, it, fits, okay. it fits a notebook perfectly. But I tell you what, you may not know this. Field notes paper, it's not the best. It's not the optimal it's not the fountain best. pen experience. not the best. So as much as I – here, here's my conundrum. I love field notes. I love the look of them. Sure. They make me happy when I see them. But they don't. The branding is fantastic. I know. The design is unparalleled. I just, but if I'm writing what ink I have in my pens, I want it to look really nice. So Mm. I often go for this, which is the Nemosyne 192. Okay. So that is a really, really thin little reporter style notebook. And that also fits really, really easily. Also known as a steno. Steno pad, pad, yep. Um, It fits in there really, really nicely. So I love that as well. And Nemosyne paper works really well. It's basically Rhodia. It's made in Japan. Really, really solid paper. There's a bunch of different notebooks that you can get around that size, though. Yeah, so I I would say like... Rhodia's got some. We've got got some Goulet notebooks that are that small. There's a whole bunch of options mm -hmm. for better paper. And if you've got something like a koozie case, you could fit an entire notebook easily just right into the center of that no problem like you can cram so many things in here yeah so yeah any pen case where you have like mm, three three to five or more you're going to be easily be able to fit a notebook that size in there yeah and even if you've got a standard uh you know book style pen case that doesn't have a little spot for a card or something like mm-hmm. that. What I used to do when I used my Aston case primarily, I would just fold up a little piece of A5 paper that had my stuff written yeah. down. And whenever or the I, next card or something. Yeah, and whenever I would refill something, I'd just cross out the previous one or put a little symbol next to it because I still wanted to see what it looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just write what my three current ones were and the pen next to them. So it seems kind of like a no-brainer, but when I started doing it, it just made my life a whole lot easier because you think you can remember, well, I don't know. I think that I can remember. I overestimate my memory a lot. And despite... You forget how bad your memory is. Despite having consistent reminders throughout my life, mm. I, I still do overestimate my own brain. So for me, it was really, really helpful. Mm. And uh, it also is something like this. While it's not um, the most long-lasting thing, obviously a... Um, Colo ring would be a super mm-hmm. great way to keep track of what inks you've used historically. Yeah. But that's not going to fit in here as easily. So something like this, at least it, it well, could serve as a... Yeah, um, the color ring, I think, because that's like more in like business card size, a little smaller. Mm-hmm. So like you could just take like one of the things off the there ring. There you go, or three. Yeah, if you just have yeah. a three, uh, a few of them. Yeah, if sure. you have a few of them. The cool thing about something like that is, you know, it's going to be thin. You can put it, if you don't have an extra pocket in your case and you just like literally like throw it on top of the pens and close it up, you know, it's not going to crumple anything. It's not going to cause any damage to your pens. Whereas something like that, that's got like a ringed mm-hmm. kind of binder to it, you wouldn't necessarily want to like 
you know, you wouldn't, that, you wouldn't that want that in a pen side piece. of it. Yeah, having yeah. It on the so outside if you had pen. something that was more of like the coloring type, you know, like it's more like an. I'll keep wanting to say index card. It's not that big. It's like a. It's like more like a, a two by four size. Yeah, it's, it's it's more narrow than an index. Yeah, so it'll fit in a lot of different places. But the nice thing about that is, if you do what Drew's talking about, and you you know write down each ink that you use as you swap pens out, well then you can just swap the card out, and you can put that back on your ring, and you can keep it for future reference to see what it looked like in your pen. So Certainly. there's lots of different ways to mix it up. Yep. But overall, it's it's really helpful for me, and uh, especially because I like to try out different inks all the time. Mm. I can't. There have been so few times. Where I've uh, inked up the same ink, Brian, because we have 700, 800 different, like, why would I keep using the same ink? Well, especially like you are often like swabbing new inks. You're swabbing perspective brands that you're thinking about. Discover so many new inks. Yeah, you deal with, you deal with more new ink like hands-on more new ink, I think, than anybody else in this company. Myself included. In just about 11 years, I have, I could probably count fewer than 20 inks i've repeated really you know, probably yeah in like the actual filling of a pen mm-hmm. wow probably fewer than 20 repeats i used to repeat less and now i've gotten lazier over the years i go back to some of the same standbys yeah I, I've, I've like yeah. like with with this one um i've got uh golly what are your what are your repeats i'm curious we're deviating a little bit here but uh what are the ones that you like tend to keep going back to um one of my originals was uh um the majestic blue mm. that that's one of my uh all-time favorites diamond yeah that's a um one. and that's a good uh one of the og sheeners oh here are my yellow ones oh yeah yep those are my yellow ones right there nice. uh so right now see i don't even know what i have in here right now okay um so okay i'm using robert oster cherry blossom oh it's all three robert osters okay uh robert oster cherry blossom cafe crema and summer storm okay so yeah mm. and so you just like turn the page go to the next one and just yeah and this was this is my three before that mm. that was my three there so yeah, I, I would not have had any idea what I can I can't even pronounce these. And a signy, like I love color verse, but they, they, that's not easy to remember. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Except for a boo, I remember that one. Yeah, a boo. Especially if it's like not named after a descriptor of the color. Right. It's like how do you remember? Especially after years and years and years, how do you remember all this? Right. Color? And Sailor Ink Studio. Oh, forget about it. Oh yeah, yeah. Lost cause. Yep. So anyway, that's okay. my tip of the week. Nice. Write stuff down. Yeah, there you go. I love it. All right, next we're moving on to the Spotlight, the Y Studio Classic Revolver. All right. This is an interesting one, Brian. It is. Because I recently did a video on this mm-hmm. where, um, as you know, the Y Studio Classic Revolve mm-hmm. is unique because, you know, we can get with, get to that later. Actually, no, we'll get to that now. Okay. It comes with a piece of sandpaper. It does. And it is... Not common with most pens. No. Not common. Never a thing. I think it's the first pen that we've had that's come with abrasive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so that you can weather the pen. Um, we'll, Not the first pen that abrasive has been used or has been encouraged to be used. Okay. Anyway, mm. um, I went ahead we'll and come back to that. did it okay. on the video. And uh, here is the pen. Cool. Um, as you can see, it doesn't look that much different. Okay. I went crazy on this thing did with you? the sandpaper. It didn't look like you did. I know. So it, it it matted out a little bit of the black. It's not quite as glossy, but really okay. all it did was open up the corners of the facets a little bit and mm-hmm. made them more like wide. So 
This one. Like we need the, the close up cam <clears throat> here. So, and we'll also put images of what this pen looks like when it's brand new as well. So you can kind of see the difference. But I was so surprised by this. So I spoke with Kenro, who's our distributor for this pen. And uh, the folks over at Kenro told me that the main kind of superpower about this pen is that it is meant to be just beat up and weathered yeah. and like thrown in bags, pouches, purses, toolboxes, whatever. And it can hold up to it. And I was like, eh, okay, yeah, sure. Okay. Do you want to handle this thing? Do you want to be able to see the thing? Oh, sure, whatever. Um, so here we go. And uh, I had a hard time believing that because that just seems like so, so different than what I have been used to with other fountain pens. But yeah. I can say that it's true because this pen did not get destroyed. Nice. Just despite my best efforts. Well, it's metal, so that helps, right? It's metal through and through. It is, but, uh, you know, I took the same sandpaper to the uh, metal cap of the Monteverde Ritma, and that didn't... That didn't looked, didn't fare so well? Oh, no, it looked bad. Well, it's not solid metal. It's plated, right? So this is this is solid brass, but it it's is. got the black. I mean, right, the black this, coating is obviously... Right, but the black coating didn't coating. come off. It It, it only wore through the uh, corners where it was already weakened but the hmm. flat parts like i, I couldn't it get it to it. budge yeah hmm. so if okay. you wanted to put the, this I guess thing that fares pretty well for like the longevity of it right if you wanted to put this thing in with your keys it would be no problem at all okay well, that's so, good to know i was impressive what grit sandpaper was, was it did it say on it or do you know uh, like what did it seem pretty fine or was it like pretty coarse i mean it wasn't like stuff you'd use on your drywall okay but it was definitely not micro mesh Right. Um, okay. So okay. it was kind of like you know that stuff that uh, we got from uh, uh, Brian Gray um, over at Edison. That that sandpaper we used to deburr stuff. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like that. Like a wet sandpaper. Like you would have like an automotive like sandpaper. Yeah, but the rougher version of the two. Okay. It's like a four hundred grid. That's, a, that's some, usually some, what that is. There, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but it was pretty cool. So these are all made in Taiwan, Brian, and the nib is also made in Taiwan. So every aspect of the pen. Okay. And it takes a standard international converter. There's a cool little um, O-ring there to make the barrel go on nice and snug. So that's neat. And look at this branded converter. hey oh, That's a cool-looking converter. Right? It's even got the little Y Studio logo on there. Nice. nice now, the first touch. time I plugged this in, it was kind of hard to... Oh, no, did no. you have like really cram it it's on It's easy there? now. Yeah, I did, but now it's fine. Okay. That's often the case with converters. You have to like really push it on the first time. But I love it when it has an O-ring, so it just slides You feel that on. resistance yeah, on it? Yeah. That's really nice. And yeah, I, sometimes with metal threads, you get that like squeakiness that can happen. It? Yeah, let me see this thing. It's a bit awkward trying to. Like, yeah, no, it's the definitely camera, not. Right? Uh, definitely not squeaky. Okay. No, no squeakins there. This is a good size. Like this is uh this is about as thin as I would want mm -hmm. a pen to be. Like the grip gets a little thin for my it, big hand. Also, it doesn't post. Uh doesn't even give you the option. But if it did, it, I feel like it'd be too this back would weighted. Be too long. Yeah. I would never try to post this anyway. No. So to me, if you had some kind of thing on the back to make it posts i would just be like that's just a big yeah. knob that's sticking out that just like why is it even there but and it, this is uh, cool too like it doesn't have a clip but because it's hexagonal like that it's mm -hmm. not going to roll off exactly so that's my that's the only thing i really don't like about pens that pens that don't allow you to post that also don't have like a clip or roll stop or something you don't see that with a lot of like commercially like no. widely commercially available pens but you see that a lot from like independent makers that make it. And they're like, oh yeah, well you just have it or have a roll stop or, or a, uh, not a roll stop, but a pen rest or something like that. And you're just like, you're not carrying around your pen rest. Like, right. you know, especially a pen like this, like this is meant to be carried around and kind of, you know, but they obviously thought about that when they designed it. So that's cool. Yeah. 
So I think it's really rad, and I think that it it that it has a like superpower really, that no really other like, pen has. It like sits down in your hand, like the weight of it. It doesn't feel like oh man, my hand's gonna cramp, but it's like it feels planted. Right. I don't often come across a pen that has a feature that no other pen has. And yes, yeah, sandab- sandability. Right. Like I've never <laughs> encountered a pen where like, hey, this one's meant to be really roughed up. Yeah. And I mean, literally, that's something to talk about because they give you the supplies to rough it up. Right. It's not like as someone who works in pen promotion, like I, I need to talk about pens. I need to come up with things to say about this pen versus that pen versus that yeah. pen. And when I see something truly unique that doesn't require a whole lot of mm-hmm. effort to talk about, like that's so exciting to me. Mm. And this is definitely that. So Pretty you cool. can, if you want to just throw this into a bag and not worry about it getting scratched or dented, yeah, this is the pen for you. Pretty safe. Yeah. So you can look at those pictures and uh, see how thin those lines originated. And yeah, see yeah. So it has the lines originally anyway, but it is much thinner. Like, yeah, you, you can definitely tell you did something on this. Yeah. You know what you did. I know what I did. Okay. I also, I also, um, I tried to destroy a uh, an 823. Brian, remember I told you I was going to think about doing that? Yeah. So for- Did for, you do it? I did, but um, uh, so that pen, if anybody's seen that video, just a disclaimer, I didn't really, I didn't ruin an 823. <laughs> right. I, I had some spare parts and I you, had a- You ruined that part. Well, the parts were already ruined. So- You ruined it more. I did. Um, the cap was had a huge crack going down below the um, cap band and mm-hmm. above the cap band. So that cap was useless, gotcha. except for the um, finial and the clip, of which I did not mess with. So I'm like, <laughs> I can keep that finial and the clip. So, uh, But I did get all over everything else. And then the barrel of the pen had a massive crack going from uh, the threads all the way up into the barrel, which you can see in the video. If you're looking for the crack, you can see like, oh, this pen's pretty screwed up. But I also didn't ruin the um, the knob in the back because I could save the piston. So yes, yeah. I was selective about what I ruined, but it didn't look like that. Fair enough, fair enough. So I, I also didn't say in the video that... Would you any, say that you used that pen? The even, A23? Even though you didn't write with it, would you say that you used it? <laughs> okay, all right. I'm just, uh, just trying to find the definition here. I didn't use it to write with, no. But I, did you use it, though? I used it, you yes. Used it. Okay. Oh, my God, okay. you're the worst. Just, I'm just trying to get clarity. Oh. To be unclear is to be unkind. Oh, oh is that what you're being? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm trying uh, to be kind. Oh, God. Yeah, just seeking clarity. Anyway, it's a neat pen. The nib comes out of this pen. Yeah, yeah, there you on. go. And, it looks uh, like number five, right? Is that a pretty standard It number five? seems to be number five, yeah. Okay, so, you know. And I've never seen that feed before. It, it's not like a, not a standard feed. Yeah, it's got some interesting little like yeah. whole things there. So from from so, what yeah. I understand, this is 100% made uh, okay. with Y-Studio in uh, Taiwan. So All right. hats off to them for that. That's I, cool. I, I like the idea of everything being made in the same place. That's, yeah, that's neat. not super common. Yeah, very cool. And it's not an old company. They're only around for a few years, so... Mm-hmm. Um, They've got a lot of pens, but only one fountain pen. Yeah, they're more in like the rollerball everyday carry kind of space, it seems. I'm I'm sorry, they don't just have one fountain pen. I think they have a smaller, like... They have like a a resin version of this pen, I I feel I think they have one that has like a little... That you could like they wear. got a lanyard one. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Or they did. I don't know if they have any more. Do they not? Either way, this is the only one that we carry. Um, okay. But uh, I, I give it a thumbs up. I I was really... uh, I really had some fun with it. And it writes nicely. I can see the scuffs that you're talking about. But it's not like scuffed through. I also I also like whacked it against my ring a bunch of times. I see some of the like deep like yeah I like took knocks. It. I took it and I was just like whacking it against my ring and like rubbing my ring all over it. Just trying okay. to. I tried to. I, 
I mean, I know that if I gave it, it to like you, you'd take it pretty good. I would take it to the next level. I know you would. You'd be like, oh, I'll, I'll do a thing. Break out break that welder. Oh, God, yeah. I'm just kidding. You don't weld brass. So You braze brass. Um, anyway. <laughs> okay. Different process. Anyway, that is the Y Studio <laughs> Classic Revolve. There you go. Which I always want to say revolver. I always feel like I'm cutting it short. I always I'm like the classic I revolve. Say, yeah, I want to say evolve for some reason. Classic evolve. Oh, that works. I don't know. Yeah. Classic evolve. Ooh, that's like a nice like paradox there. How do you have a classic evolve? Oh, well, I guess that's you true. Can, classic right. meaning past, evolve past. meaning future. I guess you could evolve. Things in the past have evolved. So it's a classic evolution. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a band name, like classic, classic evolution. It's not weird enough to be a band name. It is not. You'd have to throw some like threes instead of the E's. Yeah. Then you could. Um, anyway. All right. Now to the, now to the, how do I even set this up? Now to the portion that is even more nonsensical than what we've already talked about. Let's talk about what's happening in our lives. Um, well, I talked about how I saw Doctor Strange you in did. the theater. It was really good. Yeah. And uh, my brother wanted to see it. My other brother. Uh, okay. And I was like, hey, if you still want to see it, I'll, I'll, I'll see it again. So he's like, yeah, actually. Like in theater? Yeah. So I saw it again. Okay. Yeah. Was it still good? Like, Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah? And, and okay. I know that Sam Raimi, the director, he always puts Bruce Campbell in, one of, in all of his movies. So, I mean, obviously you couldn't miss him in this. But he yeah, always yeah. also puts uh, this old um, Oldsmobile um mm. in uh every every movie he even okay. he even directed a western and it was like in the in the <laughs> like in a barn somewhere like with the door cracked and you could see it so nice. i knew it was respect, there respect and i said to my brother i'm like i'm gonna find it this time like i know it's mm. there and i forgot and I oh didn't, no i didn't find it i'm sure you could google it somebody's I, I did i did thing. i did google it you i didn't did? find okay. a screenshot but it wasn't where i was thinking oh interesting yeah okay so, you're gonna yeah. clearly gonna have to see it again i mean i will eventually but uh and then uh, this weekend I had to uh, – so we've got these double uh, shelving vanity things in, in the master bedroom at, at home. Okay. And uh, they have this big honking drawer hmm. that is kind of like U-shaped. So when you close it, it kind of goes around the plumbing of the sink. Oh, interesting. You know? um, and it's a big one-piece drawer. And Shannon's broke. And it always felt a little weird, but apparently she um, forced it the wrong way, and the whole one of the one of the brackets just totally like bent and ripped. And oh gosh! So this whole massive drawer was laying on the floor one day when I got home. And this I'm massive like, weird U-shaped drawer that's like, like totally not going to be a standard thing. Well, I I'm like there's no there's no fixing it because it's one of the brackets is completely destroyed. Mm. So I needed to buy new brackets, and okay. at that point I can't use the same existing holes because the brackets are different. Mm. Um, so after doing my best in regards to measuring and oh things like that, I just went to Lowe's and bought some brackets. Okay. Somehow it worked out perfectly. Hey, and the drawer shuts better than ever. Like, I don't know. Like I just <laughs> eyeballed everything. Not one measurement was taken. <laughs> I and love how you fixed it, but you're like, I have no idea how I did this. <laughs> I mean, I kind of did. Like I, I was awesome. not expecting it to be okay. I was expecting to get very upset. I mean, there's a lot of ways that, Fixing a drawer can go wrong, right? It's, I'm kind of impressed. And then, like, then the, the the brackets were longer than the old brackets too. Oh, so okay. I'm like, this is gonna, I'm gonna shut this, and it's gonna go too far in, and it didn't. Like, so, yay! 
Good job. I'm still in disbelief, but so the uh, drawer itself like wasn't broken. It was just like the slides or whatever. Yeah, like one the, of them was completely okay. mangled. Oh uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's it basically. I think what happened is it got off the track once and just got shot and shot mm-hmm. and shot and shot until and it just got like bent and worn and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've absolutely. done that. I've done yeah. that before. Yeah, um, good on you, man. Yeah, yeah, I did a thing. Congrats, I did a thing. Um, I mean, so all the, all the parts of a drawer to go wrong, like that's the best one because there's like somewhat of a standard i guess for drawer slides yeah 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 and but like getting it up in there and like aligning it it was that is a bit weird yeah it's yeah. always a bit and awkward. i didn't i didn't take all of her makeup and stuff out of it so no oh, gosh i was like i mean it's gonna be heavy and awkward regardless i'm like whatever i don't care so i probably could have made it a little bit easier myself but so you like we're holding it with all this like stuff in the drawer <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> well you have nobody but yourself to blame i know i know <laughs> So um, you fixed it. Good job. I did. I did. Nice. And uh, I beat the story mode of uh, my, what I think is probably my favorite game of all time, Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. Is this the um, one where you just make coffee and You can just make coffee. Campfire? Yeah, you can. You can is that part of the story? To make or coffee? Is, yeah. You don't have to. You know, but it, it helps. Okay. It, it, it gives you a temporary stat boost when oh, you drink coffee. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's just like real life. Yeah. And, if you, you to, and if you choose to, you know, uh, kill a deer and make some meat with uh, thyme, oregano, or mint, that gives you different types of stat boosts. So, wow. yeah, you know. I saw, but, I saw Drew's stats drop because right we got coffee right before we recorded this. And then... I got two coffees. As, as we were about to hit, like, the record button... Drew goes to take a sip. And he's like, no, oh, he was out of coffee. This he was out of one of his coffee. Well, I was we, like, wait, we didn't get the record button yet. We sat here for too long and this one we did. went, went we away. Did. So well, we got that Noodler's info like right before here. So I was like, all right, we got to work this in. We got to yeah. say this here somehow. So anyway, yeah. Um, but anyway, so I, I beat the story mode for the second time. It's such a, such a good game mm-hmm. and it's so very immersive. But now I'm in the uh, epilogue portion where mm-hmm. that's also very long and drawn out and the game never really ends you can just keep on playing forever so yeah i'll probably do that but either way just a great experience very coffee's not gonna make itself no that's true very very heartfelt though very emotional yeah. at the end yeah same with the red dead redemption one like it's okay. they they mm. it's like it's what it's like playing a movie really wow. those are the kind of games I'm, cool. I'm, I'm attracted to i really yeah. like immersive narratives yeah that, that's my jam yeah, that's cool um and then uh felix our new puppy mm-hmm. is having some like crazy allergy Oh, no. He's, like, scratched his, like, under his eyes. Like, he's, like, the hair is gone from them. So we don't know if it's something in the grass or Mm. it's not in our house. Because I remember when we were bringing him home, he was, like, scratching a whole lot. We talked, you know, Mm. to the breeder and stuff like that. And she's like, no, no, none of the other puppies are experiencing this. This just having a rough go of things so far. Yeah. um, So we're giving him Benadryl, you know on the vet's advice, but the vet doesn't know what to do. So they're like, yeah, I don't oh, know. There's, he's too young to be tested for this. He's too young to take this. He's too young to this. So we're kind of like, don't know what to do. Out, I guess. But Benadryl mm. seems to be making some things better. And we've had some rain recently, which is good. That's it calming some things down. It does help. Yeah. So we're thinking about taking him to a spe- little doggy specialist. But oh. uh, yeah, yeah, poor little guy. He's been oh. having a rough go of things. Man. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but uh, he's still super nice. He's, he's a super sweet dog. So, all and build resilience. Yeah, all in all. And then we still can't get him to stop peeing on everything. And with the, our other two corgis, we never use puppy pads with basically like things you lay on the floor that say, hey, pee here. Right. Which we never wanted to do because like, why would we want to train a dog to pee in the house? Like the whole point is to not do that. Right. But the dog just kept on peeing in the house. Yeah, at some when, point. When he peed like, outside, right. he's like, yeah, give me a treat. This is good. I'm like, yes, you know this is good, right? Yes. Mm. But then he would pee inside. So he doesn't know that peeing inside is bad. Mm. So we like talked to everybody we could. We t- we brought a trainer in. like, wow. And then we're like, all right, screw it. Let's put a, put a puppy pad down. 
immediately starts using the puppy pad. And then we talked to the breeder. We're like, did you use puppy pads when you was a puppy? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah. You kind of have to with indoor puppies. So he was like, like, so oh, he so he remembered yeah so he remembered that so now we're like okay we're we're doing the puppy pad thing we gotta now need All to right. transition from training on the pads to going outside so that's this is like accepting reality it's like well <sighs> clearly like the only being outside is not happening right so the puppy pad is better than peeing everywhere in the house right, right? all over the universe so well, we didn't have to do that with our other two uh, dogs so this weird. is new weird I mean, it's like no matter what every dog's every different dog's I suppose different. yeah yeah um and then uh, this weekend was very hot as you know. Oh, I'm familiar. Yeah. That's part that's in one of my talking points yeah. for too. So yeah. uh Archer wanted to break out the old slip and slide. Ooh, yeah. So we did that. Uh Do you guys have like an actual hill? Cuz we our struggle has always been like having a hill to Are you supposed to put a slip and slide, slip and slide on the slide? hill? I thought you I mean, it helps. Put, like, okay. So gravity works in your favor if you do. Here's the thing. Uh we thought about that. Uh, okay. Last last year we put it on the flat part. So our our backyard is on an incline. Okay. Um decline whatever. And so last time we put it at the base of the backyard, like where the backyard meets the deck. Okay. And that's kind of the flat part. Yeah. And Archer asked, like, hey, can we put it going downhill? So I was yeah. like, yeah, sure. And so I did. But when the hose got hooked up, I think that because the water that's supposed to kind of like create spray onto the slip and slide, yeah. it fell too fast to the bottom. Oh. It made the bottom sprayers really powerful. But the sprayers up at the top, very, very weak. Oh, so it's like really dry up right. top? Oh, yeah. that's no good. So we had to move it back down. Okay. It's but probably course, too steep of a slope, it sounds maybe, like. Maybe, yeah. yeah. But then at that point, I realized that the new hose I bought, because I hated last year's hose because it crimped mm-hmm. way too easily. Okay. The new hose I bought is leaking like crazy from the part that screws onto the actual spigot yeah. outside. Okay. Because it's got a rotating nut. Mm. Um which you'd think would make things easier, but no, between the nut and the actual hose itself, spraying water. I cannot find a decent hose. And this was a more sounds expensive like bad, one. Sounds like you have a bad gasket, or maybe the gasket fell out. Oh my God. Because I would do it. I just. I have some spares, actually. Hoses are so stupid. I I'll, just, I'll give you a gasket. Why can't next time I, I come in? <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's it, but I mean, I guess that could I bet be. It's it. I bet it's but, it. But like, I just, I just want a hose that functions. I just want, and I don't like this one either because it's way too rigid. Like, it, like the last hose was just like a floppy noodle that would crimp every two seconds. <laughs> this one's like it crimps on itself because it doesn't bend or flex. It's like I can't win. I can't huh. win. It's just hoses. I'm with you. I have like I've I have a lot of hoses because I've like my parents moved and downsized their house, so they gave me like extra hoses. But like every hose I have is different. I hate like, them wildly. I different. hate them all. Like why can't? Yeah. Like <laughs> this is this is not advanced technology. Yeah, you'd think Why we would have solved the garden hose by a now. Just plain good hose that doesn't crimp. That- Drew, this is where we can crowdsource. I feel like the pen community here, as many gardeners as there are in the pen community, I feel like there's some hose knowledge that we are lacking. Please give me hose Please knowledge. Please comment and help Drew get a proper hose that will ail his hose woes. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I have, I have hose woes. Hose, hose goes, oh. nose grows. Yeah, it's just so. It's so like it, I shouldn't be stressing about a freaking hose. No, like I have no time. I have no it. time for hose nonsense. Yeah, wow. I feel you on this one. I feel you on this one. Anyway, I had to get a hose. Rachel hates uh, slithering creatures. Oh, so yes. I have to. I have to get hoses that don't get mistaken for any other creatures in the yard. So the the hose that I have is this like like fire hose. It's like a. It was a bright orange hose. I was like that can't be mistaken for anything. 
but it's like you said, the thing weighs like a thousand pounds. Yeah. I feel like I'm dragging a fire hose across my yard every time I got I this use one it. thinking like, okay, I want to get the opposite of last year. Because yeah. last year it was like this thin blue thing I got from Target. This year I'm yeah. like, all right, here's this hardy. Substantial, yeah. Right, like, it, like if you lift it up, it stays coiled. Yeah. Like in the shape. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, then, then you're like trying to unravel the thing and it's like wrestling a python yes you know it's yes like, i just feel i feel you oh my god you. it's like you can't have it all man you can't have it all I'm not, i don't ask for a lot i really don't <laughs> i don't want it all i just want a dang hose that doesn't all right cause me stress somebody somebody will help somebody i'm getting hot help. i'm getting hot like my my back is hot now wow okay fair enough i'm done all right. I'm done. Everybody help Drew in the comments. He needs a good hose. Recommend a good <laughs> hose and solve his hose woes. All right. Uh, on to my nonsense. So my kids are super excited because tonight, Tuesday, as we're recording this, uh, on Paramount Plus, Sonic Movie 2 is being streamed. That's a good movie. Yes. I've heard this. It's been out in the theaters for a month, but we're like not really doing the theater thing. Yeah. So I'm doing it for you. The kids have been like, yeah, the kids, the kids have been like, I mean, counting down, I think since they announced the day that they were going to be streaming it, they've been counting it down. We watched Sonic, the first Sonic movie again this weekend to prep and get excited. Joseph dressed up as Sonic today at school so did Ellie. She like asked Rachel for red shoes and put like white tape on them. That is amazing. They are both very excited and they have not had it spoiled for them. Whatever happens. Cause their friends know how badly they want to see it, but that we didn't like do the theater thing. Oh, that's so, so like cool. some of their friends that they know that have seen it have not like spoiled it for them. So elementary school kids aren't as terrible as they were when we were kids. There's hope. There's hope for this next generation. <laughs> We're probably all a lost cause and everybody before us. That's actually really cool. the next generation, there's like, there's something to be said. That's really cool. So they're very excited. So by the time this airs, I'll probably have seen this movie like four times. But anyway, they're very excited. And I'm pretty excited too. I love Jim Carrey. He was like, you know, goes back to to the whole 90s. Yeah. And I think that he uh, said that this is his final role. We'll see. But if it is. They've already said they're doing a Sonic movie three. So it's like, are they going to have a different? Robotnik like I mean, is he not gonna be like he's so good in that role and you can tell he's having fun that's, oh, that's yeah. what I love yeah like, he's done the whole artistic thing and I think that these two Sonic movies he like, still can he can, he can he can have it all you know he just he just got to kind of do the Jim Carrey thing yeah. and for, for, for like kids that grew up in the 90s like us seeing him just kind of like dance around acting like a fool yeah that's, that's I got excited great. about that's that pretty great it's pretty great um, so yeah, we're watching that. Uh, the kids have a few more weeks of school left. Our school gets out really late. Like we start late. We start after Labor Day, um, which actually I didn't know that they're, they're proposing changing that. Um, but anyway, so they get out in like mid June. So other kids that we know, like my niece and nephew, uh, live in a different part of the state. They're out of school already. So our kids are still finishing up. They're doing like SOLs and all this testing oh, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, they got a little bit of school left and then they'll be out for the summer. So they're very excited about that. Um, it was stupid hot this weekend. It was like a hundred, a hundred actual degrees. And then it was a heat index above that. It was something crazy, which I was like, okay, yeah, heat of the summer. Sure. But I'm like, wait a minute. It's not even summer for another month. Like this is still spring. So yeah, we had like frost warnings, like a couple weeks ago or last did, week or something like that. And now it's over a hundred degrees. It's did crazy. you see what I did for lunch on Friday? Cause I did not want to go outside. No. <laughs> What'd you do? I ate an MRE from my office. Oh my gosh. I was, I had my keys. I was about to walk outside 
Um, oh, wow. I didn't have a lot of time because we were shooting uh, some video that yeah, afternoon. Yeah. So I was just going to go have to get some fast food or something anyway. I'm like, man, if I'm going to go out just to eat garbage, I have garbage in my office <laughs> that I can eat and not touch the sun. Yeah. So I turned right around. I'm like, all right, what do we got? And That's it was like, really funny. It was like Southwest style beans with beef. Um, so yeah, That's man. Like a hot meal too. But I didn't, but I was inside wow. with the AC, so that's, it was fine. So, that's, uh, yeah. That, that's commitment right there. I went, I went in the break room and I was just like, all right. MRA, for anybody doesn't know, that's like the military rations that mm-hmm. like they give soldiers and stuff overseas in combat. And that's I think like, what, that's like when you have no other choice. This I've is had the it food in my, you eat. I've had it in my office for <laughs> over, well over a year. It was tw- from 2017. I mean, it's going to last. Yeah. They're, they're I mean, made it's to last. relatively new considering the MREs I've eaten in the past. Oh, gosh. Um, you did this voluntarily as well. Yeah, it wasn't that great. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't think so, but... The cheese was weird. It's meant to just sustain life. That's about I'm it. Not dead yet. You're, you're, you're living on to fight another day here. Um, so, yeah, it was like we knew it was going to be hot coming up this weekend. And it was, like, it was like, oh, maybe I'll, like, you know, actually chill out. Because I, I, I work outside a lot. It's, it's very restorative. Yeah, I love we being talked. In nature. You said, you said oh, I'll, just, I'll just do some, some workshop stuff. Yeah, I'll no, do- I didn't do that at all. I was outside the entire weekend. I did landscaping. I did all kinds of stuff. I was like, I was in the woods for a lot of the time. So it was shady, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But it was still friggin' hot. The only problem with being in the woods is I'm really allergic to poison ivy. So I basically have to be like fully dressed. I have to wear pants, long sleeves, all that. Cause I, the skin contact really bothers, bothers my skin uh, with that type of stuff. And it's freaking everywhere. In fact, one of the things I did was I sprayed to kill all the poison ivy that's around me, nice. uh, which is, you know, uh, there's a lot of it. So I did some of that and I did a lot of landscaping stuff. So I was outside, you know, basically all weekend and I added up how much water that I drank on Saturday, which was the hottest day. I drank about two and a half gallons of water that day it was very hot i was just drinking water constantly the crazy thing is like everybody (laughs) has a frame of reference for how much that weighs yeah because we've all carried a gallon it's eight pounds per gallon so it's about 20 pounds of water jeez 20 pounds of water and they didn't weigh 20 pounds more so i was sweating out 20 pounds of water See, see, it was yeah. fine when i was thinking about 20 pounds of water and i'm thinking of 20 pounds 20 20 pounds of sweat sweat. 20 pounds of brian sweat evaporating out into the atmosphere no yeah. yeah anyway so did plenty of that um i have a update to my little welding adventures so you know i've been messing around with some welding and mm-hmm. stuff i uh i had a, i had a first gotta say i had a first oh no did you burn yourself no oh no i've, I've done that a few times oh, okay. that's not a first uh oh, okay. no i uh i went um with permission i i i went dumpster diving for scrap oh metal. okay yeah i i pulled a, a pulled a bed frame out of the dumpster at the local local transfer station and uh took it home i i brought my home trash there and i said that's that's not trash to me (laughs) so i asked (laughs) because it's like you know steel is expensive and it's i mean a bed frame it's all it's just it's just angle iron it's just you know you cut off a few pieces and you got like perfectly good angle iron that stuff's not cheap right now it's probably like a hundred bucks worth of angle iron if I had bought that at the store. Sounds like a deal to me. So I just asked the guy working the thing. I was like, hey, I'm like learning how to weld. Do you mind if I just like, you know, it was like on the top. I didn't have to go into the dumpster. I literally just like leaned over the railing, could pull the bed rail out. But yeah, I came home and I was like, Rachel, I have a confession to make. That was going to be my next question. I brought home trash from (laughs) the trash place. And she was like, so this is, uh, this is where we're at now, huh? And I was like, yeah, this is, uh, 
you're married to a you're married to a dumpster diver now. And then uh, we went to a yard sale. So there was like a, a we don't we don't live in like a real big like neighborhood, but there is a neighborhood nearby um, that has I don't know 160 houses or something like that. So they had like a community yard sale kind oh, of thing. nice. So it was fun for the kids. They were able to go. They got like like some like Pokemon stuffed animals for like 25 cents, and it was like great. Like they got all kinds of stuff. Ellie got some earrings and all that. I bought a. <laughs> True to form, bought a bag of knobs, like like the hardware that you would have on like your. They renovated their house or something, and like all the not we have like the old like brass like gold knobs from because our house was built in the nineties. It's all those like honey oak and gold hardware oh, yeah. that's oh, like yeah. everywhere. Oh yeah. So they had you know all these knobs, and it was like it was like they wanted like ten bucks for this bag of like a hundred knobs, <laughs> and I was like, I can totally use knobs. <laughs> You know, like they're knobs are they're like five, six bucks a piece. I can totally use them. If you knobs. buy those and they had the hinges too from all their things. So of I course. bought knobs and hinges. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to you know, knobs and hinges. Almost bought a trumpet. Almost bought a trumpet because I it was like, you know, their their son or whatever played trumpet for like a year and then lost and it was like pretty cheap, but I was like, no, 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 no. That's like that's <laughs> those like, knobs though. That's like, I'll buy a bag of knobs. Oh my god. And that bed frame. I bought another I bought a bed frame too, because they had uh because for more scrap steel. They wanted like five bucks. For this, so you, uh, you, this weekend, you have acquired two bed frames. I acquired two. Well, the other bed frame was like midweek, but yeah, since the last pencast recording, you I've have acquired, acquired two bed frames, two bed frame. a former bag bed, of knobs, former bed frames. They're not bed frames anymore. They have been cut. They're now just raw angle, angle iron steel, whatever. So yeah, and I've, I've actually already turned it in. I've actually already started turning one of them into something. So I'm. Um, this is part. Of, <laughs> this is part of my adventure. It's a whole thing. And this is like all in my downtime. Like I'm, I have the whole kid thing and doing the work and all that kind of stuff. But this is like, these are the things that I do. Going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this whole thing. It's like, I have to be doing stuff. Like, I am this is so I, exhausted <laughs> listening to you because you started by talking about the heat and that just makes me tired. Yeah. Oh, thinking all this about is happening heat. in the heat. So, you know, yes. I, I'm, I'm yes. like, I'm dehydrated now like just hearing you well you've drank like 40 ounces of coffee that's since we it. sat down so that's not <laughs> helping but uh and yet you're making me tired yeah you you're this is completely undoing any sort of yeah caffeine energy i, might I, I come in and tell rachel what am i doing she's like i can't even i can't even listen to what you're describing that you've been doing out oh there she's like just don't even tell me um so yeah then i um uh where was i bed frames yeah so what i i had a vision for what i wanted to do with the bed frames so one of the things i do i'm a woodworker so um i like to work in like you know full like slab like furniture like i really like the natural kind of look um so you can you can get slabs of wood and i i, I got a wood i got a wood guy i know a guy who, who cuts like slabs of wood and stuff like that but you can make them into like benches and coffee tables and these types of things it's really cool but i mean they're really big they're hard to hard to work with just with normal tools. Um, especially if you, um, you can get it where you like cut, you know, basically like slice out the trunk. So you get like the natural edge all around it. That's called a cookie. Mm -hmm. So if you're in the woodworking world and you're looking for cookies, I have heard you use that term before. I've made several like end tables and things like that out of these cookies. They're pretty cool. But the problem is it's, it's, you know, it's, Normally, when you're working with wood, you're you're using what's called the face grain, and you're working you're operating off that, and it's a relatively safe way to like cut it and work with it. Well, when you're you're slicing a cookie out of a tree, all the fibers of the tree are standing up, and it's really actually kind of dangerous to work on that surface where it's the the fibers are going up like that. Um, it's called end grain, 
So it's really great for if you've ever had like butcher block, uh, like cutting boards or like butcher block top, like microwave stands or tables or whatever. Um, it's really good for cutting with knives, like cutting boards and grain cutting boards are really good because the fibers are standing up. Mm. So you're not actually slicing the fibers. You're kind of slicing in between oh, them. Oh, yeah. So that's that's one little uh, pro tip there for if you're not like don't care about woodworking, but if you're, if you use knives and stuff like that for cooking, uh, end grain cutting boards are really good. They last a long time. They don't dull your knives as much. Whereas if you're using a cutting board with a face grain, you're actually like slicing the fibers of wood. You'll see deeper cuts and like more stuff can get in there and grow and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, when you're, when you're doing woodworking, end grain is much more difficult to work with. Uh, it's more dangerous, less stable. It's harder to sand and all that. So, um, when you're working with that, um, one of the ways that you can do that is you can, um, have what's something called a router sled. So the router is like the, it's basically a big motor with a spinning bit on the end of it. So you can use it to like route grooves and things. You can use it to round over corners and stuff like that. Um, but this, you can actually make, you know, basically a, a, you have like these two, two like pieces of wood or metal that kind of go up around the cookie or whatever slab you're working on. And then you have these like pieces of metal that go across to create what's called a sled. And you just move the router back and forth and the bit itself cuts into the top of the wood and you do it back and forth. So rather than moving the wood across some kind of tool, you're moving your tool across the wood. Does any of that make sense? Kinda. Okay, whatever, it's not important, but um, you know, you can buy these things, but they're pretty darn expensive to buy like the sled. Uh. So I'm making my own. So essentially think of like, I've got the router, it's this big motor with a base on the bottom of it. So I need like a really like long and stable like thing and you can sort of make it out of wood, but then it can warp and all that stuff. So it's, it's better to do it in metal. And I'm like, uh. now that I know how to weld, I can take some like, you know, corner like channel, um, uh, the angle, whatever steel, and I can weld it into essentially a frame that the router sits in and I can slide it back and forth have my router sled so I can do more woodworking. There we go. Circle of life, right? So I'm repurposing an old bed frame that I pulled out of the dumpster so that I can make a router sled that I'm going to use to take uh, like storm or trees that fell in storms that would have been chipped up and thrown away, but it was salvage. And I'm going to turn that into beautiful furniture. So I'm literally like taking trash and using that trash to take other trash and make it into something beautiful. That's just kind of cool. I don't know. I feel like that's you a really are, neat you, thing. You were becoming Nick Offerman. Yeah, I'm kind of, I, I, I vibe with that. Yeah. I vibe with that. I saw his shop and I'm like, yep, that's that's kind of awesome. So I don't know. That's what I'm doing. Um, and uh, also I've been trying to find more scrap metal because like metal's not the cheapest thing in the world. And when you're learning how to weld, you have to practice. And I'm, I don't have like, just raw, like scrap steel, like laying around my house. So I got to go like find this stuff. You do now. I do now. I'm finding it. I'm finding <laughs> it. So I've like been asking around and like the thing I'm learning about like welding or just like working in metal. I've been a woodworker for a long time and like, I know that world pretty well, but metal's like kind of a different thing. It's like some different tools. You can't go like chop it down. Different suppliers, you know, people that like welding is much more industrial. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of welding happening in the world, you know, and that's like much more known like world woodworking is much more you know uh you have like carpentry and stuff like that in construction but like fine woodworking is actually a much smaller than like welding in general so this is all new to me it's like i gotta go get like bottles of argon gas and all this random stuff and i'm like where the heck do you get this stuff and i'm like having to find all new suppliers i'm like i didn't even know that this like industrial park was here and you go in there and it's like all people that look like 
they just get very dirty for a living, like dirty jobs type, you know, careers that people are doing and they're just welding all the time, driving like truckloads of like gas, you know, out of there. And you're like, oh, I am not normally like in this world, but this is like a whole thing. So here I am like, oh, I'm learning how to weld. And they're like, well, what do you need? And I'm like, I don't know. What do I need? Like all the filler rod you get is all just random numbers. And I'm like, what is ER4043 filler rod? Filler rod is. Like, so. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's like all new terminology, <clears throat> all new stuff, but I'm excited by it. So I have a flux core welder, MIG welder. I have one of those. I've been learning that, got the hang of it pretty good, but I'm, I'm going to be getting into TIG welding now, which is like the more advanced more advanced welding. I've done a little bit of it before, so I got the I got the taste of it, but I'm like, yeah, I want to be able to do that. Because then you can weld like aluminum and stainless steel and you can weld thinner stuff. You have more control, but it takes more finesse and more practice to do it. So I'm, I'm getting a TIG welding machine, um, which is pretty cool. And then uh, it also has a built-in plasma cutter, which is uh, as cool as it sounds. Well, you know about plasma from Ghostbusters, right? Like, isn't there uh, ectoplasm? Well, maybe that's maybe that's not I, the same. What, what immediately popped into my mind is that guy on YouTube that created a lightsaber. Yes. Um, you've seen that, right? Yes, I've seen that. So yeah. it's like that, but smaller. So a plasma cutter, essentially, it's um, you're basically, uh, you have a lightning gun. That's pretty much. So plasma is like what lightning is. So you are you are creating essentially a, a, a plasma, like with electricity and compressed air and some gas, you are creating essentially controlled lightning. Nice. It, it burns at about 40,000 degrees yeah. so that you can like cut through, you know, half inch steel and just psh, oh, yeah. cut through it like butter. Very cool. So it's like you have a lightning gun. How cool is that? That is pretty cool. And I'm like, that's also incredibly dangerous. So I'm like, make sure that I am very careful and know what I'm doing. Probably won't mess with the plasma too much, but the TIG welding I'm excited to get into. So there you go. And then I found my my local scrap metal supplier and just, you know, literally just got like all kinds of random pieces of metal and already started cutting it down and using it and customizing stuff. And I'm just having a friggin' blast. And I come in and tell Rachel and she's like, got that look on the face like you do but much <laughs> but much less interested she's like good for you honey i'm glad you're having fun with whatever i don't really understand and have any interest to learn it all and i'm like i'm doing i'm learning cool things and i'm having fun so yeah and then last thing on my on my end um got some comments uh, about the plants that i talked about that i planted last time didn't really show any pictures though i intended to maybe share some i didn't i don't think i did right i didn't upload no no cuz you said they were just like not really a garden, more just like yeah. I, so I, 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 I'll, I'll make sure to include some pictures here as I'm talking about. We got more questions about what I planted than I expected, so um, I'll share some pictures here. I didn't plant a. It's not a garden. It's basically landscaping. So it's like we already had mulch that I had done around our sunroom, and we have like some mulch around like the kids' like little play set or whatever. So like that's where I planted the stuff. So it was already kind of existing. There was good soil there and everything, um, but we planted some things. So I, I didn't like immediately post pictures because the pictures I took, I didn't really take for the pen cast. I just took pictures and it has like my house in it and stuff like that. And I don't really like taking pictures of my house because that's weird. I don't want people to stalk me. So um, I'll take some pictures that show the plants, but show less of what else I have going on so that I can. You don't want people to actually know you did. live in a cardboard box. Yeah. I like it's just a cardboard box surrounded mysterious. by like a hundred sheds. You know, full of so I've got a welding equipment and so scrap metal. A, my, my, <laughs> my buddy who I, who I cut, who I cut trees down with, he, um, he was like, oh yeah. He's like, uh, so you, you pulled the, you did the, you did the dumpster diving thing. He's like, it's not going to be long before you end up with like random, like furniture and like old stuff, just like collecting in your yard. Oh, and I was like, man. I was like, I'm, I think I'm already there. I've got some like 
some like edges of the woods where it's kind of hidden by foliage that Rachel can't really see what's going on there. And I'm like, <laughs> I have an old like aluminum like pergola that my sister took down. A what? A pergola. What's a pergola? It's like, you know, it's basically, it was basically like aluminum. Well, the Virginia sort of really like, came out on that one. No, no. It's like aluminum. <laughs> it's really yeah, pergola. It's it's like, I don't, I don't know how to describe what it is, but it's, you know, it's got poles and then like cross beams and stuff. And it had like sort of a tarp of some kind. So it's like they headed over their deck. So it provides like some shade. sort of shade structure. Okay, yeah, like a shade structure, but the 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 thing like broke or whatever. So they had just like all the legs and stuff. But it's just like it's a lot of aluminum, and it was like, oh, this is I could probably like repurpose this for something. This is a while ago. So I, they were going to have. I was going to take it to the dump for them because I have a pickup truck. And then it was like, hmm, I feel bad just throwing this out. Maybe I could oh, use man. this for something. And it's just like been sitting at the edge of my woods. I don't even know that Rachel knows that I still have it there. So I'm like, I'm already like ashamedly hoarding literally garbage to like repurpose and weld it and stuff. I don't know. It's weird, but this is what I'm doing. I'm enjoying it. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll put some pictures of the plants. Um, some of the stuff we planted, hydrangeas, some hostas, uh, some lilies, which has been fun. Lavender, carnations, a few other flowers, random stuff that my like mom gave me. I don't know what it is. Um, the thing I will say is that uh, we have some kind of animal that's like going after some of these plants, not in ways I would expect. They're not like eating the flowers or whatever. They're like digging it up from underneath. So we have some kind of like moles or rabbits or something that's digging. Cause I have, I have like one Lily that like has shrunk like 10 inches. It just like literally just like, it was like, it was like pulled down into the ground. It's like Bugs Bunny when he pulls the carrots down from underneath. Yeah. Like there's a few of the flowers where it's like, or one, it's like completely like kind of fallen over. And I go and look at it and I'm like, these roots are like entirely exposed. I'm like, something got into mm. this, but it wasn't like going for the flowers and whatnot. It was yeah. like, I don't know if it, whatever. Maybe but it's just traveling. I don't know. Yeah. So I've like put it back and there, it keeps happening. So I'm like, there's like all these holes there and it's like, I've seen frogs in the holes. I'm like, are these frogs that are doing this? There's a lot of nature that happens where I live. So it's like, I don't know what these animals really are. They're all very skittish and I don't see them much. But there's definitely something that's going after some of these plants. And I'm like, this is going to be my life, isn't it? And they're just going to like be battling the animals. So anyway, I'm surprised all hostas haven't gotten eaten by deer because I know that deer like hostas. But I figured maybe they're close to my house. The deer won't want to like go close to the house. But I know it's like dessert to them. So we'll see. I might take these pictures and then be like, oh, I remember the time when I had plants. That was fun. Never doing that again. They're gone now. Yeah, we'll see. It'll just all be monkey grass. That's the only thing that I know that will grow without fail. <laughs> it's monkey grass. You can't kill it. Anyway, so there we go. That's what we got. Um, got a little bit of company updates. So let's do that. All right, so we don't have a whole lot to talk about in here, but we are going to be closed on Monday for Memorial Day. Our site will still be up and all that. You can still buy stuff. But um, yeah, in the U.S., at least if you're not in the U.S., uh, Memorial Day is a day that we um, uh, celebrate all of our fallen soldiers, military personnel. So thank you to everybody uh, and their families who have sacrificed uh, for our country. So that's what we'll be celebrating for. We'll be closed, but uh, you can still watch all of our stuff and and shop to your heart's content. Uh, So anyway, uh, that's basically the updates that we have. For right now, and then I think uh, we can go ahead and wrap this thing up. Well, that's all we got for you this week. We want to thank you all for watching. Please leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Um, give us any questions or any pens that you want to see. Uh, we did get some good suggestions last time, so we're good for the next couple of weeks, but we would always love to see more. Um, definitely go check out goodlypens.com. You can see all the things that we talked about here and lots of other cool stuff. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Instagram, share it all, whatever. It's all good. Uh, you can also email us at 
pencast at gulepens.com, especially if you're an audio listener and you do not uh, feel like going to a whole other medium to post your questions or whatever. Well, I guess you're going to another medium anyway by email. So either way, leave us a comment on YouTube or send us an email. Uh, my random fact for today, Drew, is uh, related to cereal. Mm. You know, we were feeling nostalgic and I was thinking like cereal. That was a big part of my childhood. Oh, sure. Still part of my adulthood, actually. Oh, yeah. I had some um, cereal this morning. Yeah. What was your what was your go-to cereal as a kid? As a kid? Yeah. What was your like... What was your, what was the cereal you had the most, and what was the cereal that you like always wanted but very rarely got? Ooh, that's a. I mean, I wanted all, very rarely got would be um, a lot of them. Like I always wanted uh, Lucky Charms, mm, uh, mm-hmm. Captain Crunch with the Crunch Berries. Okay, and Ooh, yeah. then uh, uh, Cocoa Pebbles. Oh, okay. Or yeah, Cocoa Pebbles. Yeah. So th- those are all all very rare cereals. Okay. Um, you get like the mixed pack, like if you go on vacation. Oh yeah, or like something, you get like the small but boxes. Recently, I've been looking. Shannon and I have been looking at calories and sugar content on cereal. Yeah, and it's, not it's much all different. bad. It's not much. Yeah, it's all, it's all pretty bad. Yeah, um, like Lucky Charms and Frosted Flakes are identical. Yeah, and like I would like obviously Frosted Flakes are covered in sugar, but I still thought uh, Lucky Charms would be worse, but they're not. No. Um, so bad. yeah, I, it's all it's all garbage. Yeah. But no, um, the one I had the most. Oh man, I don't even remember. That was all off-brand stuff. Hmm. But uh, maybe we always had cornflakes, always had Cheerios, Honey Nut Cheerios, pretty pretty common, pretty staple. Yeah, yeah. Cheerios was like kind of my go-to. Yeah. I had a lot of cornflakes as well. Yeah, but I think Cheerios would be my like, like standby. I still eat Cheerios. Yeah, I ate some Cheerios this morning. This morning for me it was a special K with almonds. Oh, how grown up! That seems like a grown up. Cereal. Well, I also have a <laughs> box of strawberry pop tarts in the pantry. Oh, so nice! If you asked me yesterday, it would have been strawberry pop tarts. So, okay. don't give me all the credit. I heard somewhere that this is not the random fact. We're getting there. Uh, this is not the random fact, but I heard that like uh, one of the top selling items at Walmart, at least whenever there is like a hurricane or some natural disaster, is strawberry pop tarts. Hmm. It's like one of the things that they intentionally stock up on because they know it's in such high demand. Like that and beer and like baby formula. You know, I'm like, well, okay, that's, you know. Pop-Tarts, At least that's right. in there. Um, yeah. My go-to cereal that I never got was uh, Corn Pops. No, we had a lot I of Corn Pops. very rarely got them. I don't know. I just never, it's more than something my parents got. Yeah. And Cookie Crisp. They're kind of weird. Corn Pops I get slimy. Crisp. They do get slimy. Yeah. It's I, weird. Because I ate them so rarely, I think I was, it was still novel to me every yeah. time. But then when I, mm-hmm. if I, I think if I ate it more, I would probably get sick. Yeah. Yeah. We never got Cookie Crisp either. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't even good. I just, I don't know. I just like the idea of it. It's a cookie wand. It's a cookie, yeah. Um, but anyway, my fun random fact is about cereal. That's why I brought all this up. It is about Fruit Loops. Did you know that every flavor of, every color of Fruit Loops is the same flavor? They're not different flavors. I did. I didn't know that. To me, to me, they all taste like Earl Grey tea. Okay. Whenever I smell Earl Grey, I think Fruit Loops. You think Loops. Fruit Loops? Yeah. I think you're the first I've heard that said that. I don't know. They know. What's y'all's favorite cereal? What's your go-to cereal? Either as a kid or now, as a not-kid, assuming you're not a kid. But anyway, let us know what you think. That is the Turkey Hammock Zone. Yay! talking about cereal. Anyway, thanks so much for watching. We will see you on episode number 48. Right on.